One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about Laura Ingalls Wilder. And I'll be talking about The Watcher. Wow, Brady, very good of you to get your shit together. I'm so sorry. How many times did we take that intro? Uh, so many times I gotta stop laughing. I'm so sorry. We've had kind of a goofy day. So we, okay, you, me, and Norm sat around, ate lunch, yeah. had popsicles. Yeah. And we started talking about, like, the worst insults we've ever told anyone. <laughs> and now we're just a bunch of giggles. Oh. <sighs> I'm very serious. You might be laughing. I am. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm a seasoned professional. That's exactly right. Meaning, I smell kind of spicy right now, <laughs> like curry. I heard. <laughs> yeah, you guys. My dad came into my house a few minutes ago. <laughs> my dad, who eats, you know, he has the palate of a six-year-old. Yeah. And he comes in and he goes, "Smells like curry in here." It's like, first of all, how do you even know what curry <laughs> smells like? And that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't smell like curry in here. So maybe he doesn't know what curry smells like. Maybe that's the whole thing. (laughs) He just says that randomly. He's hoping that he gets it right sometime. (laughs) What if we just stare at each other for the next 20 minutes and recorded the background noise? Well, I think that would put us on what they call a downward trajectory (laughs) with this podcast. We're we're trying to build it up into something. Oh. 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 Speaking of building. Yeah. Did you know that we built a new level on the Patreon? <laughs> wow. Tell me more. First, let's put on our hard hats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I built it with my hard hat on. Uh-huh. I didn't do it at all. Kristen did it, actually. Yeah. Little Miss, I'm on maternity leave, <laughs> taking care of her infant child. <laughs> yeah, that's right, folks. There is a new level to the Patreon. It is the Kristen? Bob Moss tier, which puts you above the law. That's right. As a Bob Moss, you get your weekly episodes early. You get them ad-free, and you get all the benefits of the lower levels, including a monthly bonus episode, a monthly bonus video, access to the Discord, which is like a 90s chat room. You get inducted onto this podcast, get your little name read aloud, and Brandy sends you a sticker with our lovely autographs on the card. Man. Boom. The list is endless, except that's where it is. It goes on and on and on until we get to the end. So if you'd like more of us, head on over to patreon.com slash LGTC podcast today. Wow. (laughs) We haven't gotten the least bit rusty. Not at all. You got a good one for me, Missy? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> okay. okay. Yes. If I were listening, I would just hit pause on well, that. I was, I was going to start with a disclaimer anyway, so that's oh. where my mind oh. is. Disclaimer, this case sucks? No, disclaimer, this case is excellent. Oh, okay. But has very little court stuff. But you know what? Okay. I, I decided that this is our fucking podcast and I'm doing this case anyway. Wow. Wow. <laughs> She's bold, folks. <laughs> She's got an attitude. All right. Uh, shout outs. All around. <laughs> to everyone, to in, the everyone world in the world for their help with this case. No. To Ben and Blue Orchid in the Discord. Oh. They both recommended this case. Got yourself a double recommend. That's right. And then also to Reeves Weidman 
for The Cut slash The New Yorker. Okay. Because The Cut's part of The New Yorker. Is that, is that how that works, Kristen? Um, I don't know. But, you know, sometimes... Well, sometimes No, it's, I'm sorry. It's not even part of The New Yorker. It's part of New York Magazine. Oh. Let me get my shit correct here. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so this piece was written for The Cut, which is part of New York Magazine. Anyway, um, Reeves, Weidman, almost all of this information for this comes from this article that Reeves wrote. Um, because every other article about this case uh-huh. all goes back, goes back to, to his this, article. Yes, okay. Or See, hers. Reeves could be a man or a woman, I guess. It's true. Who are we to decide? That's right. Not us. Well, that didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we? Not us. Not us. <laughs> It was June of 2014, Mm -hmm. and Derek and Maria Bratis were flying high. They just bought their dream home in Westfield, New Jersey. This was a goal that had been a long time coming for the Bratis family. Maria had grown up in the upscale New Jersey neighborhood and wanted to raise their three children there. Derek had grown up kind of in a working class family in Maine, but Westfield was exactly the kind of place that he'd always dreamed of. So he'd worked really hard climbing the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan. And he'd finally landed a senior vice president role. Yeah. It does sound terrible. Talk about a ladder. I do not want (laughs) to be on. Yeah. His salary was finally large enough to afford the type of home that they'd always dreamed of. And so the couple dropped $1.3 million on a beautiful six bedroom, four bath, 3,900 square foot home located at... Oh, my God. Okay, yes. 657 Boulevard, Westfield, New Jersey. Okay. Oh, I can do... Pull it up on Zillow. Zillow, and there's pictures of the inside on Zillow. It's beautiful. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's beautiful. It was built like in Um, 1905. Here's a fun fact. Does Westfield, New Jersey sound familiar to you at all, Kristen? No. Why? Didn't sound familiar to me either. But I've actually done a case in Westfield, New Jersey before. Oh, really? Because that's where John List lived. <gasps> oh, God. The okay. family annihilator, yeah. John List. His- okay, you don't have to say it like friend of the podcast, <laughs> family annihilator. <laughs> You're right. I totally said it like that. Uh huh. So, John List's house is actually like two miles from this house. This house is very nice. Oh, I love the floor in the dining room. Yeah, it's a very nice house. Okay, you don't have to say it like that. It's it's a beautiful house. I love it. All right, all right. You know what I don't like? What? In the master bathroom, you know, they've got their sinks. Oh, yeah, and they just left the pipe exposed. Yeah. Like, Why? Like we're at a national park yes, restroom. I, I thought the exact same yeah. thing. What? Somebody saved some money. I know. You put, it, you put some cabinet doors on there. Absolutely. You don't... You don't want a place to hide your lotions? Yeah. Your various lotions, Brandy? How many lotions you got under your sink in there? So many lotions. I mean, I'm a very dry person, (laughs) both in my sense of humor and in my skin and hair. So, yeah, I I really have to lube up. Lube up. (laughs) These are the problems in my life. Say lube up. You bought me lotion recently. Yeah. And I keep it. Right there in your drawer. Right here. And it looks like I'm going to need to buy you a replacement lotion for that one. Well, you know, you got this for me like a year ago, so. (laughs) What if this was just my hint? Every. You're like, I hope she's noticing how low this lotion's getting. Oh, gosh. (laughs) My body sure could get creamed up. Oh, God. Can you guys hear that? You know, she's lotioning right now into the microphone, guys. Gross. <laughs> Sorry. 
Stop it. Okay, you know what? You made me record the intro five times, so as punishment, I will now lube up my hands. All right, back to the case. Okay. As is often the case when buying a new home, there were a few projects, updates, renovations, whatever. That the yeah, they had to rip out the cabinets under the sink yeah. so they could see that beautiful plumbing. Well, so there are a couple of updates that they wanted to do before they moved in. One night, shortly after closing on the home, Derek was there alone doing some painting. It was after 10 when he finished up, and before heading home for the night, he decided he'd check the mailbox. So they weren't living at the house yet right. or anything, so he figured there wouldn't be much of anything in there, but checked it anyway and there were kind of you know the expected pieces of junk mail whatever and then there was a white envelope with thick black handwriting on it it was addressed to the new owner Derek opened the envelope and inside was a typed letter it read dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood how did you end up here did 657 boulevard call to you with its force within 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approached its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Oh, God, what the fuck? My grandfather watched the house in the 20s. No, ew. And my father watched it in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the story of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 oh Boulevard? I'm, I've got goosebumps. I would poop my pants. Seriously, right? Why are you here? I will find out. Ew, what the fuck? Because I liked it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the writer continued and in an effort to make it clear that they'd been watching the family. They included oh, specific details Loud about and them. clear, dude. Yeah, they mentioned the family's minivan and pointed out that, you know, they'd seen multiple workers coming in and out of the home, presumably working on the renovations. Oh, my God. The letter continued. No. I see already that you flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Oh. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Bad move. Ew. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Ew, what the fuck? <laughs> then the writer continued and talked about the three broadest children. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do Ew. you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Oh, God, what? Better for me. Was your old house too small for your growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Jesus Christ! Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Brandy, no! What have you done? Oh, is this not so fucking creepy? A woman wrote this letter. Oh, you think? I think so. Okay. Do you need to? F- oh, sorry. I read. Sorry, I already oh, yeah. read that part. <laughs> Please do not skip a beat in this creepy ass letter. Oh, the envelope God. had no return address. Of course not. The person kind of addressed that. They said, who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 oh Boulevard every day. Oh my Maybe God. I'm in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 <sighs> Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The letter concluded... Um, Saying basically that this would probably not be the last message. Oh, it said, Welcome, my friends. Welcome. 
Let the Party Begin. And it was signed, The Watcher. Okay. Okay. What do you do? Prediction. Just Uh a prediction. Okay. It is an old woman who's lived in this neighborhood forever, and she lives within eyesight of this house. Okay. I would be like, fuck this, goodbye, moving. Yeah, right? I I really do think, I mean, just because Norman and I have moved enough, Mm -hmm. um, I have come to really appreciate the role that neighbors play. Yeah. Um, We've had, so our first place, we had amazing neighbors to the left of us. Like, they became, like, our best buddies. We'd go to to dinner with them, like, at least once a week. Yeah. And we just kind of took for granted, like, that's a normal thing. Yeah. Next place. <laughs> Not the king. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was it that that guy said to me? Our neighbors said to me, came up to me one day and said that a lot of people think he's gay, but he will have sex with a woman if it's the right woman. <laughs> And then he let me know that he was HIV negative and chlamydia free. You know. You know. If you ever want to sample the goods. I've got all the other STDs, but not those two. Yeah, and now we've got new good neighbors again. And, oh. Okay, so you get this. You move in. You, you're getting ready to move into a new house. Uh-huh. You get this letter. You're like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Oh, gosh. I don't know. I, I'd like to think so. Yeah. So I don't know. What would you do? Uh, I don't know what I would do. I because it is it's your dream house. Yeah, you exactly. You finally got it. Yeah, and you know, there. W- I think there would be a stubborn part of me that like that would be like, this is just some asshole. Yeah, and I'm not going to bend to their will. Right. Oh, but that that yeah. is creepy as hell. Yeah. So. Remember, it's like ten. It's like ten o'clock at night. It's dark oh. out. Derek is by himself at the house. He reads this letter. He freaks the fuck out. Mm-hmm. He runs around the house, turning off all the lights because he's like, "This person could be like looking in Absolutely. right now." Absolutely. Yeah. And then he called the police. Yeah. An officer came out. The officer looked over the letter and then looked at Derek and he goes, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and Derek's like, "I know, right." And the officer was like, do you have, you know, standard questions. Do yeah. you have any enemies? Blah, 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 blah. And then he kind of looked around the house and he pointed out a couple of things that he thought that Derek should do before he left the house that night. Like there was some construction equipment that was on the back porch. And he was like, mm-hmm. move that because I'm going to throw that through the back door, like the glass and get in. Yeah. And so he did those things. And then Derek was like, I've got to get home to my family. Like maybe if they know like that we live here maybe they know our figure out where our old house absolutely yeah and so he rushes home to the their former house they hadn't sold it yet because they haven't moved in the new one yet and uh and fills his wife in on what had happened and she freaks out too and so the first thing they decide they should do after talking to the police is write an email to the old owners oh yeah good idea good idea so they email them john and andrea woods um they are the uh couple who had sold the house to them they have adult children they decided they didn't need a place that big anymore they had lived there like 23 years um and so they write them an email and they're like do you do you know Were anything the, any about of the adult this? children super attached to the house that's a good question i don't know hmm. okay i'm trying to get to the bottom of this mystery so 
a part of so I didn't read you the entire letter. The it wasn't Are you available. Serious? No, that was not the entire letter. There were oh parts of it cut God. out. That's what was available in this article. At one point, it referenced the Woods family, saying that the watcher had asked them to bring young blood into the home. Ew. Yes. What? Yeah. And so they write this email to the to yeah. Andrea Woods. Um, They're like, hey, thanks for telling us about the creep. Right. And she responded the very next morning and said, you know, they had lived there 23 years. Nothing weird had ever happened. A few days before moving out, they had received a similar look, similar note, similar letter. I got stuck trying to make those the same word. The note. <laughs> that had been signed The Watcher. They had read it. They thought it was super fucking weird. Uh-huh. But they just disregarded it. They'd thrown it away. They hadn't thought anything more of it. Oh. Apparently, it <sighs> didn't have any threats against them. So I can't. I'm, I'm, I can't imagine doing nothing. Doing nothing, just throwing. And I don't know what their letter said. I have trouble yeah. believing it was as menacing. Oh, I'm sure it was as, totally normal. I'm sure it I'm wasn't. Sure it was like, but you guys have been great neighbors. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Broadduses asked the Woods if they would mind coming to the police station with them and saying you know what they knew that they'd received yeah. a letter as well and so they did they um maria and andrea went to the police station together and talked to a detective mm-hmm. and the detective told the broadduses not to tell anyone about the letter that would become really crucial because his thoughts were that it was probably someone who lived in a very close proximity to the house he's a genius that, just like me uh, exactly and that Basically, everyone who lived around them were suspects, and so them not knowing about the letters was important to, like, weed people out. So if people okay. made any mentions of anything or used language similar to what was in the letters, like, those would be good signs that that was a, a possible suspect. I don't know. You, that's not how you'd handle it? You'd be going door to door asking if they wrote this letter? No. I don't know. I think... Um... I think your neighbors are generally pretty good resources uh-huh. about other neighbors. And like, what if you walk up to the neighbor who did it? That's not what I mean. Like, so the creepy neighbor I just described who yeah. graciously offered to have sex with me, which yes. is more than I can say for you today. <laughs> but like, I really appreciated when we first moved in and kind of before we knew what that guy's deal was, yeah. um, the neighbors directly across from us the the man told me that that guy was really creepy yeah and that he did not let his daughters around that right and i appreciated that yeah so i kind of think that if you're trying to suss out a creep in the neighborhood yeah not that i would necessarily go up to every neighbor and be like hey who's the creep around here but i would i wouldn't necessarily be super quiet right all right all right all right would you be a good little brandy and do what the oh i do said? what the police said okay, yeah 100 yeah. i do what the police said okay i wouldn't mention it to anyone but i would be on fucking high alert i'd be watching everybody would you tell my me my eyes would be darting constantly uh-huh. yeah i'd tell you okay and then i'd go tell everybody <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and this is exactly what the Broadduses did. They yeah. spent the next couple of weeks just completely oh, you'd be like so paranoid. so paranoid, super anxious. Derek was supposed to go like on a work trip. He oh hell no, it. canceled. Yeah. And Maria, like they were still trying to get work done at the house so that they could mm-hmm. consider moving in. And so anytime Maria was there with the kids, oh my god, like they'd be playing in the backyard and they'd get too far from the porch and she'd scream and yell at them to come back. Mm-hmm. Like she said, keep she that like young a crazy blood person. Close. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would have security cameras up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... And eventually they do do that. Okay. They put in a security system. Do do. They do do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a comedy podcast. Gotta keep it light. <laughs> That's why you're here. The quality content going. <laughs> um, so at one point... Like, as you mentioned, they're super paranoid. Mm-hmm. At one point, a couple who lived in the neighborhood wanted to see the work that they were doing on the house. They and they were like, no, creeps. Them. No, and so Derek was like, yeah, you know, and he's giving them through a tour. And as he's showing them what he does, like like what they've done to the house, just like in conversation, the wife of the couple said, oh, my gosh, it's going to be so nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Oh, no, that's weird. And he's like. Oh, shank her immediately. <laughs> and so he did. He murdered her right there. <laughs> and that's the case. <laughs> no, but he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, because the saying is new blood. You don't say young, young blood. Young blood. <laughs> you say it's nice to have a, a, a young couple in the neighborhood. I try sure. not to bring up the word blood at all when I'm welcoming people to the neighborhood. Well, sure, that's ideal. But like, I'm just saying, new blood is the saying... <laughs> Young couple. Oh, like, oh, we have fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to dig my fork into your ass. That's, oh, what, God. that's what I say to all new neighbors in this neighborhood. <laughs> and you thought it was your neighborhood was weird. <laughs> yeah, now the neighbors just warn them about me. If she comes at you with a fork. Yeah. What Kristen didn't tell you when she told that story about her neighbor offering to have sex with her was that she'd let in by saying, I'd like to dig my fork into your ass. (laughs) I've just been searching for someone who's chlamydia free. You know what I mean? Hint, hint, wink, wink. That's my opening line with everyone, Brandy. Works sometimes. Uh, Two weeks went by. Mm-hmm. And another letter arrived. Oh, my God. Maria had stopped to get the mail. Um, she was bringing, like, some paint samples over to the house. They were going to mm-hmm. pay, you know, a couple swatches, check mm-hmm. it out, see it in the light. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, she, <laughs> so she checked the mail, and there was a white envelope with that same thick black lettering Fuck. on it. She called the police immediately. To Mm -hmm. report that they'd gotten this letter. Mm -hmm. This is what it said. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. Oh my God. The workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. (laughs) Have they found what is in the walls yet? Ew. No. What? In time they will. Ew. This time the watcher specifically called Derek... And uh, Maria, like, by their names, he just misspelled it. He called them Mr. and Mrs. Braddis, but he spelled their last name wrong. Mm -hmm. Which meant to them that he'd been, like, this, or he, this, the watcher, Mm -hmm. had been close enough to have been, like, in earshot and hear hear people referring to them by name. Mm. 
Uh, he went on. I keep saying he. Uh, here's a spoiler. Okay. You don't know who did it? This case is unsolved. <gasps> no, Brandy. We do not know who the watcher is. Oh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's not much court stuff. Yeah. <gasps> yes. Okay, continue. Okay. So this made the Broadduses think that the Watcher had been close enough to hear them be called by name mm-hmm. by the contractors, whoever. The letter went on to talk about how this person had obviously learned a lot about the children. He referred to them by the nicknames. Oh, God. That the parents called them. Oh, my God. So, yeah, this person was in earshot. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so this is how the letter continued. I'm pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. And then the letter went on to talk about how the watcher had seen one of the children sitting on this like enclosed porch Uh area with an easel. Oh, God. And the letter said, is she the artist in the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? Oh my God. I would be very afraid if I were them. It's far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you'd never hear them scream. Oh my God, this person is psychotic. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? Shut up. I'll Shut know up. as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All okay, I'd be done. Fuck, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, at this point like, it's This like, has escalated. Yeah, so this is not just some asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly they sold it to you when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. Oh. And now you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Happy moving in day. You'll know I'll be watching. And again, oh. it was signed, The Watcher. Fuck, right? Oh my God. So at this point, Derek and Maria were like, um, the kids are no longer allowed at the house ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, yeah, we're probably not moving in here. No, no, not worth it. The mention of the easel was particularly terrifying to them because it was a very closed porch area mm-hmm. that you would have to be like right next to the oh, house oh, to be able no, to see. No, Mm-mm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the fact that someone had been there and seen their daughter using the easel, that was like it. They were pretty sure at that point that they could never move in to this house. Uh, What? Is this like an attic guy? Is there someone living in the house? That's a good theory. Thank you. I don't know. Let's continue. Okay. So another few weeks go by. 
and a third letter arrives. In this one, the watcher wrote, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So at the time that this was going on, Westfield, which is like 45 minutes outside Mm -hmm. of New York City, Mm -hmm. had just been ranked the 99th richest city in America and the 30th safest. Mm -hmm. Like people. And this is something that the Woods said when they when they asked them about receiving any creepy letters. They said, we don't even lock the doors. This is how the guy got in. This is posted up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So this was just here. Here, Derek and Maria were moving into an area that they thought was just like idyllic. And now they're living their nightmare when they can't even get into their house because of this creep. It seemed that until this point to them, the most difficult or dangerous part of the city to navigate was the real estate market. Mm -hmm. It was cutthroat. Um, Oftentimes, bidding wars would send housing prices like $300,000 above asking. So immediately... They're thinking it's someone who was outbid. Yes. Uh-huh. That was their first thought. So the Braz's house was was not an exception to this. Like, the house was beautiful. It was on the boulevard, which was like this great, like, tree-lined street that mm-hmm. was seen as, like, one of the most desirable parts of the city. Um and so when they had bid on this house, there had been multiple offers and there had been officers or offers. <laughs> there had been offers above asking, including right. what the Broadduses offered. Um, and so that was initially what their thought was. Like, maybe this is someone they outbid. Yeah. Um, so they talked to the Woods about that. And they're like, actually, you know, it ended up you guys ended up being the only offer you know there were other offers at first but somebody backed out because of medical problem uh-huh. and somebody else found another home like when the bidding war was going on and so you guys got the house because you were the only one that kept your offer in yeah it wasn't some big contentious thing okay. yes exactly and so when they learned this from the woods family they were like the woods actually proposed possibly another theory they said, you know, the letters that you have told us about, like, they mention contractors and they mention a lot of stuff specific to the house. Like, is it possible that it's maybe someone in the neighborhood who's upset about the noise of of a renovation? Okay, or... this is not someone who's upset about noise. This is someone who is off their I rocker. agree. I agree. And so this was something that the Broadduses believed and the police agreed on. This, These letters were coming from someone who lived close inside to the, house. the house. It was already in the house. Yeah. Um, so the letters were being sent from a post office that was like the the, the post office that served the neighborhood. Damn, okay. Um I thought it was someone who was walking it no, up to the mailbox. They were being mailed. Okay. But the first letter had been postmarked June fourth. Okay. The house, the sale on the house didn't officially close until June 6th. Wow. And the Woods family had never even put a for sale sign in the yard. This deal had gone so quickly. So it had to be someone in the neighborhood that knew this sale was going on. Yes. Or someone, or, you know, friends of the Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Children of the Woods. Yeah. 
police, like when they were doing this initial investigation, they didn't, they kind of like went through the house. They talked about the renovations they'd been doing. They asked, you know, if anybody complained about the noise or whatever. They mm-hmm. talked to a couple of neighbors around and nobody had seemed to even hear anything, even though they had to do some kind of foundation work in the basement that involved jackhammering. No one mentioned hearing that at all. So it didn't seem like that was. No, the because deal. people get mad about noise, but like, they're not like, you know, the solution to this. I'll write the creepiest letter that's ever been written. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. And I'll stalk these people's children. No. So Derek was very focused on the line about the easel. He was like, yeah. this to me means that someone has a direct sight line to our house or has mm-hmm. been like in our backyard. In our backyard, yeah. yeah. And so he talked to the detective who was kind of looking into this case about it, and he showed him specifically. Mm-hmm. And while he was showing them, they kind of looked over, and there was a direct eye, eye line to the house next door. Okay. And so during a neighborhood barbecue, Derek got to chatting with a guy who lived, you know, a couple doors down, and the conversation turned to the people who lived in the house next door. They were the Langfords. The owner of the house was Peggy Langford. She was in her 90s. Mm-hmm. And she had... Oh. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I know, Kristen, when you said that, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the owner is Peggy Langford. She's 90. She's lived in the home for yeah. decades. Brandy, case solved. <laughs> <laughs> and she has several adult children in their 60s uh-huh. living in the home with her. Yeah. Um, This neighbor that Derek talked to said that the family was odd, but, like, that was it. They kind of kept to themselves, whatever. Mm -hmm. They just watch. They don't talk to you. They just watch. So much so that he referred to Peggy's son, Michael, Uh as kind of a Boo Radley character. Oh! (laughs) Okay! Okay. (laughs) So Derek's like, I got it. He Mm -hmm. he was like, Mm -hmm. I'm all in with Kristen. I'm so sorry. I just clapped into the mic. I forgot that people we're not love that. To do that. People. <laughs> <laughs> it's my first time podcasting. Snap, crackle, and pop <laughs> right, right in front of that mic. That's exactly right. So Derek's like, this is it. It's the Langfords, 100%. Yes. Like, arrest them now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he got a little more information. They had lived there since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, things were lining up. Mm-hmm. Pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so Derek went and talked to this detective about it. And he's like, this is who it is. This is it. Get over there. Look into it. And he was like, yeah, I already did. Okay. I went and talked. They're all dead. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went and talked to Michael Langford. I brought him into the station mm-hmm. when I first started investigating this case, right after that first letter came. And uh, he didn't know anything about the letters. And, you know, it seems like, it seems like it, it can't be them. How? How can it not be them? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Detective didn't know either. Yeah, I agree. And bring that, wheel that 90-year-old in, yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> there wasn't much evidence, though. And so, like, there was nowhere for this investigation to go. Um, and so... The detectives kind of sat the broadest family down. They're like, listen, if unless you guys get a confession from someone, there's not much we can do. And this pissed Derek off bad. Yeah. He's like, this is someone who has threatened my kids. They've threatened my family. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell me that probably nothing's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, that's unacceptable. 
This is a rich white man. He's not used to. He's definitely not. He's definitely not. And he told the police that, like, if you guys don't take care of it, you're going to have a different kind of case on your hand. Mm. When I, like, beat somebody's ass. Mm. I was thinking, like, a big lawsuit. That's more of the. Okay, Brandy. Yeah. You and me. Yeah. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, detective. Oh, yeah. We start our own agency where we just handle stuff like this. Yeah. I would post up over at Peggy's house. Oh, I'd fuck yeah. I'd knock the binoculars right off her face. That's I'd be exactly like, leave right. those kids alone, Find Peg. her at her old-ass typewriter mm-hmm. type in that letter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the Broadduses are pissed because the police are like, listen, like we get it. This is fucking creepy. You're mm-hmm. right. There's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. And so they started their own investigation. And Derek became obsessed i i totally understand derek he set up cameras mm-hmm. he hired private investigators he spent like the night kind of crouched in the dark at the yeah. house watching oh, for hell anything. yeah mm-hmm. it it became a bit of a problem how obsessed he was with finding with out the who bull the you get the was. horns that's right he started being like he set up one of those rooms in his house where he's got all the charts and there's the red <laughs> there's the red yarn going yeah. from everywhere yeah, yeah. he essentially suspects he legitimately had something very similar to that he made charts and he had like circles for like this is how far like an someone would have to be to be an earshot of us like this so these houses here Brandy. fall within that circle this man has spent his whole career in the most boring job imaginable. <laughs> Finally, something huge yeah. has happened to him. Of course yeah. he's going to track yeah. it all down. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, they hire a private investigator. Mm-hmm. He, you know, stakes out the neighborhood, runs a bunch of, bunch of background checks on people living, yep. you know, within the radius. Nothing. No, there's not going to be anything on this. There's nothing. No. There's nothing. So then Derek reaches out to this former FBI agent. Um, okay. Who was actually the inspiration for the character Clarice Starling from The Silence <gasps> of the Lambs. Okay. They had been like on some kind of like board of trustees together. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. reaches out. Nothing. She's like, I'm sorry, I've got much bigger things yeah, to do. Exactly. Um, they hired this guy to conduct a threat assessment and okay. like look into, yeah, who who's in the surrounding area? Who could this be? And where do they rank in like the suspect list. Oh, that, I I misunderstood what that. What was. do you think a threat assessment would be? I would want someone to look at the language of those letters, and I would want you know a psychologist or somebody to tell me, okay, is this someone who's just trying to be as scary as possible, yeah. or is this someone who seems so unhinged that they do actually want to hurt my family? So that's part of it. They did do they did do that as well. Okay, they looked into the letters. They looked at the language that was used. And there were a couple of things that seemed to stick out. Okay, may I make a prediction? Yeah. It's someone who doesn't actually want to hurt the family. They're just trying to be as creepy as possible. I don't know. Oh, okay. It doesn't go into that. Oh, okay, okay. What they found was that there were what they called old-fashioned ticks in the mm-hmm. letter. So old-fashioned Like wording. a 90-year-old. Like a 90-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um like some salutations that were used seemed very old timey. It was not current language. Um, Did she call him a boob? <laughs> she called him a boob. That's right. Um, there, the sentences were double spaced, uh-huh. and the yeah, because uh huh, yep, uh huh, and the the flow of of the prose, I'll say, uh-huh. um, made them think that the person who had written this was a voracious reader. Okay. But that was it. 
That's a lot to me. It is. I think it is a lot, too. But where do you go with that? You go next door to the 90-year-old woman and you say, knock it off, Peg. So, yeah, where's the North is the best kill impression. Damn it, Bobby. Bobby. Propane and propane accessories. But the Broadduses were convinced it was the Langfords. The next door neighbors. They yeah. were like, this is who it is and we know it. And so they kept like talking to the police about it, talking to the police about mm-hmm. it. And so the police kind of changed their stance on, you know, keeping everything a secret and not telling anyone. They said, maybe you should prod them a little bit. Send them a letter telling them that you're planning to tear the house down. And you're letting them know as a neighbor that there's what? going to be a bunch of construction. See what kind of response you get from that. Like, they thought that wow. that would be enough to, like, goad them into giving them a response. Like, another letter would come. Oh. Okay. But it didn't happen. Huh. The detectives brought a couple of the Langfords in for more interviews, and it got nowhere. And at this point, the Langfords were pissed, and they... Abby, one of the sisters, um, or the daughter, whatever, she actually accused the police of harassing the family and told mm-hmm. them they needed to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2014, the investigation had completely stalled out. There was nowhere for it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there was essentially no physical evidence to go on. There was no digital trail. There were no fingerprints. There was no way to place anybody at the scene of a a crime because everything was sent from an actual post office. Was there any semen on the letter? You know, they did do a black light test and they were covered Uh with semen. Oh, well, see, that leads you right to the person. This is why I ask. (laughs) Did they do fingerprints or anything? Um, Probably they did. Not. We'll actually find out tw- in a little bit that they they actually did a DNA test on oh. like the. It was a hundred percent that bitch. Wasn't it was. It? it was. It was. I was saving that for uh-huh. later. <laughs> but that information wasn't wasn't made um, public to even the Broadduses at the time that they did it. Okay. This wasn't found out later until late. It, that wasn't found out until later. Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I know. I don't know why you said it. Four times like that. Later, guys. Later. later. Everybody later. Now. <laughs> um, basically, the police were like, we're out mm-hmm. of options. This is it. Yeah. And uh, sorry, Derek, we don't know what else to tell you. And you sound kind of like a crazy person because you're so obsessed with this. So mm-hmm. please mm-hmm. leave us alone. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. And so Derek turned to his priest. He took the letters to his priest and he asked him to, bl- to bless the house in hopes that they might then feel comfortable enough moving into it. Okay. It didn't work. Oh. Uh, They were so anxious about this whole situation. All the renovations had been done. They'd installed, you know, a new alarm system. But the idea of actually moving into the house made them so anxious. Derek, again, crazy obsessed. He's in his room with Mm -hmm. his maps and his yarn Mm -hmm. and whatever. He starts looking into how much it would cost to train German shepherds to keep in the yard. He posts an ad like on a website for military veterans asking um, like for people to just come like work out in the backyard every day. <laughs> I swear I'm not a creepy guy. Yes. I just want a bunch of big shirtless yeah. dudes to work out in my yeah. backyard. 
So I still Peggy's going to love that. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, if if she's really not the one who did this, then I'm being really crappy to this old lady. Well, it's unsolved, so who knows if it's fucking Peggy? I know. Meanwhile. What if this was a long con, and what she really wanted was for shirtless dudes to work out in her neighbor's backyard? Maybe. <laughs> she's like, I, I know how to do this. We start with young blood. <laughs> um, meanwhile, the watcher was getting real antsy because nobody fucking moved into 657 Boulevard. Oh, did I creep him out? And another letter came. Okay, okay. This one said, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. Mm. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let Let the young blood play again like you once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 oh, Boulevard. God. Stop changing it and let it alone. Ugh. So at this point, they've sold their old house. They oh, don't want to no. move into their new house. Oh, no. And so they move in with Maria's parents. And so now there's all these rumors going on because they've kept the new, the information about these letters very mm-hmm. private. They've only told a handful of mm-hmm. friends and so people are starting to like wonder why the fuck they haven't moved into the new house. Yeah. All kinds of rumors are circulating. They all, When people ask all they say is that they're having legal issues and so people are like, oh, are they getting divorced? Like mm-hmm. what's going on? Mm-hmm. It was having a huge toll on both Derek and Maria and their marriage. They of were fighting course. constantly. Finally, like one day, uh, Maria went to like a regular doctor's visit and the doctor asked her how how she was like just like how are you and she burst, burst into, into tears. tears yeah of course yeah of course and so the doctor was like okay all right i'm gonna refer you to a therapist yeah yeah for and sure she was diagnosed with ptsd of course yes. of course you would be yes. yes and so at this point they sat down derek and marie sat down and they're like we can't do this anymore no. we have to sell the house yeah this is not, not worth, worth it, it. This is ruining our lives. Yeah. And it's supposed to be our dream home. Yeah. And so they decided to sell it. They initially listed it over above what they had paid for it. Over above. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over above and beyond <laughs> what they paid right. for it. Um, because they'd done those renovations. Right. Here's the problem, though. Rumors were swirling uh-huh. about this house. Yep. This is a very well-to-do, very gossipy neighborhood. And sure. everybody wanted to know what the fuck was going on at 657. Yep. And so things had been completely made up. There were talks about a uh, sexual predator, a stalker. Like, there were all kinds of all kinds of rumors going on around about the house. And there was... A moral dilemma that the Broadduses were having. Yeah. Do you disclose? Do you disclose yeah. w- the reason that you're selling this house? Yeah. And they felt like they had to. Yeah. Their oh. realtor actually tried to talk them out of it. I'm sure. I'm sure. And they were like, it's not the right thing to do. We have to tell them. And so what they did is they included a partial, like, 
in the seller's disclosure, like mm-hmm. a, a little blurb about it. And then once someone got to the point where they were like a serious contender right. to buy it, then they would show them the letters. Yeah. But nobody made it that far. Like once they heard the little blurb, they're I mean, like, mm, yeah, I don't think so. I they did get a couple of offers, but they were well below asking. Of course, yeah. And at that point, they just weren't willing to take the hit. Like they'd yeah. never even gotten to live in this house. Yeah. And there was nothing wrong with the house itself. Yeah. Yeah. Besides the bodies that were stuffed into the walls, apparently. Apparently. And so the agent, like this this kind of went on for a while, and the agent was like, you got to pull that part from the seller's disclosure. The Broadduses like weighed it, and they were like, I don't know how you could live through what we have lived through and Mm -hmm. think, we'll just brush this off on somebody else. Because I'm sure they felt that the Woods had not disclosed critical information to them. Exactly. Because there's no way, I'm sorry, there's no way they lived in that house for 23 years and got one letter. No way. Very good point, Kristen. So at this point, they're fucked. Yeah. They've got this house. They don't know how to get out from under it. And they start thinking about it. And they're like, what would we have done when we went to buy this house mm-hmm. if the seller had said, hey, just so you just know, so you know, these creepy fucking letters come every so mm-hmm. often. And we leave the door unlocked, blah, 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 blah. Yes, yeah. yes. And so they thought that there was no way that the Woods were telling the truth that they'd only received one letter. Yeah, absolutely. And even if they were, they had owed it to them to tell them about that single letter. And so Derek and Maria, they looked at each other (gasps) and they said, let's go to court. Yeah, but how do you prove? Yeah, and so in June of 2015, one year after buying 657 Uh Boulevard, Uh where they still have not moved into the fucking house, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses saying that they should have disclosed the letter or Mm -hmm. any other letters that they received, Mm -hmm. just like they had disclosed the other weird facts about the house. Sometimes the basement floods, you know, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. they felt that they owed that to them legally. Mm. So... They talked to their lawyer about this as they did it. They wanted to keep this quiet because they're still trying to sell this house. This situation just sucks. It, it sucks just so sucks. Bad. And their lawyer was like, yeah, you know, there's a chance that like a small legal newswire might, you know, pick this up and run like a little blurb about, mm-hmm. you know, a weird disclosure. This lawyer doesn't know a good story when they hear one. Nope. No. Because these letters were included in the legal action. Yeah. These letters are crazy. They're creepy as fuck. Yeah. And so a local reporter uncovered it, like looking just through like the yes. regular, like, absolutely, whatever legal filing. <laughs> you guys know the regular whatever. The regular whatevers. He found the complaint, read Wrote the snippets. One hell of a story. Read the snippets of the threats and then was like, Holy shit, this is a story here. And it went fucking viral. Of course it did. News trucks descended (laughs) on the neighborhood. Oh, Oh my. A a reporter set up a lawn chair on the lawn and started doing a 24-hour watch. Pig. Yep. It was, they got, the Broadduses were completely overwhelmed by this. They had no idea that this is what would happen. This poor family, my God. They got more than 300 media requests for interviews. Yeah. And they decided 
after speaking to a crisis management consultant. These people were trying their best to do everything they could to like diffuse this situation. They decided to not speak to any of them. They yeah. turned down every request. Probably for the best, yeah. It, I, I agree. Um, the goal at the end of the day was to protect their children. Yeah. But, uh... Excuse me, you mean the young blood. The young blood, excuse me. <laughs> That's London's new name. The young blood. Oh, you brought the young blood. Oh, no. The podcast needed young blood. <laughs> That's so terrifying. What? That's not weird. But all of this publicity stirred up all kinds of interest in this mm-hmm. mystery about the Watcher. And... Everyone had opinions about how the Broadduses had handled the situation and how the police had handled the situation. Many of the people in the neighborhood were surprised to learn about the case. I'm sure they they were. They didn't know anything about it. And the police came out and made this statement saying that they'd done this thorough investigation and ruled that there was, you know, not enough information to go on. And several of the people living in the neighborhood came forward and were like, um... Okay, we live like three houses down from the Broadduses. The police never fucking talked to us. How thorough could this mm-hmm. investigation have been? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't thorough. Which, on the one hand, I mean, I don't know what else they've yeah. got on their plate. Yeah. You know, you got a couple murder investigations. Okay, go do yeah. that. Because this is clearly just a very old, bored woman. <laughs> so, several concerned citizens wrote a letter into the local paper talking about their concerns uh-huh. about how this must not have been that thorough of an investigation. And if this creep is living in our neighborhood, like... Let's get to the bottom of it. Right. And so the police opened the case back up and they mm-hmm. put their most seasoned detective, this guy, Baron Chambliss. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wealthiest name I've ever heard. Yeah. Baron Chambliss? Baron Chambliss. They put him on the case. And as he looked into it, he discovered, and this is what I mentioned, something surprising. They had actually done DNA analysis on the letters. Right. And they'd pulled a DNA sample, Mm -hmm. and they determined that that DNA belonged to a woman. Okay. But that was it. That was all they knew. What do you mean that's all they knew? They didn't have a profile to match it. Well, did they go to Peg? (laughs) (laughs) Come on! (laughs) So this Baron Chambliss was like, okay, I'm looking at Abby Langford. Um, You know, so that's Peg's daughter. Right. She was a real estate agent. Was it possible that she was upset about missing out on the commission on the sale? She hadn't been the one to do the sale, even though she'd lived right next door. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that was it. Close but no cigar, Baron. And so in addition to being a real estate agent, she also worked at the local Lord and Taylor, which is like a fancy clothing store. (laughs) You can see how fancy I am, Brandy. You know this skirt's from Costco. So, Baron Chambliss (laughs) calls up the security guard that works at Lord & Taylor, Uh and he arranges for him to watch Abby Langford when she throws away her water bottle for Mm -hmm. the security guard to grab it so he can get a little DNA profile Mm -hmm. off of it. He does that. Doesn't match. I bet it was a real close match, though. Almost. Doesn't say. (laughs) You put that in 23 and mean, you're going to find a couple hits there. So, Baron Chambliss is looking into this case. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying, in a story that's gone viral, you're trying to show, oh, we're doing everything. Wouldn't you make a big show of going 
all around that neighborhood yes. asking for voluntary DNA samples. Yes. You don't necessarily have to test every single one of them, but wouldn't that be what you'd do? Yeah. Baron, I don't mean to tell you yeah. how to do your job, but yeah. take off the smoking jacket and, <laughs> you know, you know he's wearing a smoking jacket. Put that pipe in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so... A few days go by after Baron Chambliss has been assigned to this case, and all of a sudden, he reaches out to the Broadduses and said, they've cleared the Langfords as suspects. How? What'd exactly. you do? And he won't go into details, yeah, and he won't give them any, for, any more information, and the Broadduses were like, what? How can that be? So, what they think happened... They had recently talked to the investigators, prosecutors, mm-hmm. whatever, and said that they were planning to file a civil suit against the Langfords. Oh, um, well, you don't have enough. they believed it was them. Well, you can't just sue someone because you think it was them. I, I completely agree. Yeah. But they believed that once they told them that that's the direction they were going to move in, the police told them that they'd cleared them without any more information to keep this story from continuing to blow up. They wanted uh-huh. to avoid the negative publicity of that. Yeah. Although yeah. a civil suit would not have been able to go anywhere. There's no information. You can't just sue somebody because you think they live next door to you. Right. But it could put more pressure Absolutely. on the police department. Absolutely. So the police are like, you know, that's it. That's all we got to go on. Sorry. We had we got Baron to look into it for you. <laughs> Our most seasoned detective. <laughs> yeah. And so the Broadduses were like, fuck this. We are opening our own investigation again. Here comes Derek. He, you know, dusts off all his (laughs) charts and maps and puts up new red string. (laughs) (laughs) And they do something similar to what you had recommended. Okay. So now the word's out on these letters, right? Yep. Yep. So they go door to door through the neighborhood with the envelope, which is the only portion that has handwriting on it. The Mm -hmm. letter was, was typewritten yeah and so they go door to door and ask to compare the writing to people's christmas cards that they have received <gasps> to wow. see if anybody has received anything that looks like it has similar handwriting on it mm-hmm. it didn't go anywhere though yeah um they hired this guy who lived in the neighborhood who was like the ceo of some security firm they hired him to look into like handwriting samples yeah that's and all then to bullshit. go like through online forums they hired this other guy who was like a forensic linguist mm-hmm. and he went through like a bunch of like neighborhood like internet forums mm-hmm. to see if he could find anybody that spoke in a similar tone or peg's not on those forums yeah no because she's 90 peg's <laughs> peg's on the typewriter <laughs> that's exactly right and uh, he didn't find anything. I'm very sorry, Peg, if you didn't actually do this, Peg's but there's Peg, Peg. There's no way Peg is. Peg's probably did, but Peg's now. probably did. Peg's not <laughs> listening to a podcast. Peg's definitely not listening to this podcast. Certainly not this nonsense. So this is consuming every part of Derek's life. Oh yeah, he's forgotten. He has kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in the town of Westfield, this has just become kind of an urban legend. Like, well, yeah. The house is like, you know, a house that kids dare them to run up to on Halloween. Like, yeah, but it has ruined their lives. Yeah. And then, you know, this is like something that rumors are still going on. What do you think really was going on with the watcher? What do you think was that? And so one of the rumors that kind of takes hold is that maybe this was all a con. 
maybe the Broadduses what? had sent themselves the letters. Oh, give me a break. This is how the theory went. Okay. So the Broadduses had bought this house mm-hmm. and then immediately had suffered buyer's remorse. They realized they couldn't afford it, whatever. Okay. Or perhaps, perhaps that wasn't it. And they were trying to like cook up some kind of insurance fraud. No, there's so many easier or, ways. Okay. Maybe they were angling for a movie deal. No. <laughs> there are easier ways to do all, all of right, that. But what a, wait until I give you this bit of information, Kristen. This is all stupid. Wait, wait. Okay. This is this was what the locals okay. thought really backed this theory up. Okay. They liked watching movies? <laughs> In ten years, uh-huh. the Broadduses had gone... From a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to now a $1.3 million house. How do you explain that, Kristen? I mean, they're making more exactly. money. Their family's <laughs> getting... I mean, that's... <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the big theory. That is so that stupid. Is so dumb. And I'm sorry, buyer's remorse, so they send themselves the creepiest letters that have ever been written? Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, none of the the theories really made any sense. And um, Derek, when he heard about these, he was pretty pissed. Like, he's interviewed in this article, and he says, "Um, uh, excuse me, how does someone go from a $300,000 house to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? It's fucking America! (laughs) I'm a white guy in America! (laughs) Oh my god! Oh, jeez. Yeah. Suddenly, this whole thing was not just consuming their lives. Now they were outcasts from Westfield. Like, people were talking about... that's not fair. It isn't fair. The kids were being teased at school, like, by people. Oh, it was bad. It was really bad. What the fuck? And so Derek was like, let's just leave Westfield. Let's buy a house somewhere else. Let's be done. And Maria's like, no, I'm not uprooting my kids because of this. By this time, they bought a different house, like, in that same area. They'd had to borrow... So they'd had to borrow money from a family member to be able to buy that house. Mm -hmm. And then they bought that house through an LLC so that they would not be listed as owners on it. Yeah, because they don't want their names. You know, they don't want to get new letters at this address. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, they've still got to figure out what the fuck to do with 657 Boulevard. The world's creepiest Airbnb. No shit. So, their lawsuit was working its way through the system. Mm-hmm. They didn't have high hopes for it. They knew that it would not likely, it wasn't likely to go their way, but they had to do something. Um, and so in the spring of 2016, they put the house back on the market. Before they did that, they looked into a couple of options, like renting the house, like to the VA or to this company that rents, that runs like halfway homes. Um, wow. Yeah. And they just decided... God, that's probably not going to work. And so they decided to put the house back on the market. Back on the market. Um, now the house was kind of well known and maybe that would garner some interest. Yeah, maybe know. some creepy weirdos with some exactly. money would come forward. Like a Brandy, for instance. Exactly. And so they... Brandy, would you want this house? Oh, I'd fucking live in that house. Yeah. yeah. Would you be disappointed if you didn't receive a letter? Mm, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You freaking weirdo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 
they've lowered the price on it and they get some interest. This guy, like they do the same thing mm-hmm. where they le- have the little bit of disclosure. You can see the letters once you've moved through and put in an official offer mm-hmm. or whatever. And so this guy from Staten Island, like, is like, fuck yeah, I don't care about some creepy ass house, like some yeah. creepy ass letters. I'm going to get a great deal on this house. And so he puts in the offer. He gets the letters. He reads the letters. They never hear from him again. He withdraws the offer and backs out. Did he just want to read the letters? I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they scared him enough that he wasn't tough. Like his tough guy thing was like, oh, fuck, maybe I don't want to live here. Yeah. I thought I was a Bob Moss. Guess not. Yeah, exactly. Brontes were like at the end of the rope. They're like, how do we get out from this house? Like they have just spent so much money at this point because they're I know because they, they're also doing the legal fees yes. with I mean, it's just you talk about a money pit yes they Holy are hemorrhaging crap. money and so Ugh. their real estate lawyer was like okay how about this idea what if you sold the lot to a real estate developer they could split the lot into two two different lots and build two houses on it you could get probably a million dollars for that hmm. which would still be a loss to them but yeah. at this point, it's more than anybody is willing to pay for the house. They can't sell the house. The funny thing to me is, mm-hmm. if this is a neighbor who's yeah. doing that, boy, talk about a way to stick it to the neighbor. Oh, yeah. We're going to bulldoze yeah. this big, beautiful house, yeah. and you're going to get two smaller ones of lesser value, and your yeah. property values are going to go yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. So, small problem, though. While this was, like, the largest lot in the neighborhood, it wasn't quite big enough for two lots. Okay. Like, city code mandates that the lots have to be 70 feet. And by splitting this, one would be, like, 67.4 feet and one would be 67.6 feet. Mm -hmm. And so they had to request, like, a rezoning through the city planner, which required, like, this huge city planning board meeting, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a no-no zone. It was a no-no <laughs> zone. So they go to this planning meeting. Um, more than 100 residents show up to protest this fucking thing. Good Lord. The Broadduses get up there. They've got, like, uh, plans drawn up. They have, like, shown where the lots would be. They show other lots in the neighborhood that don't meet the 70-foot requirement. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, does it? Nope. The hearing lasted for four hours. Oh, God. And at the end, their request was denied. Mm-hmm. They couldn't split the lot into two. Yeah. In these situations, it all comes down to, does anyone care? Yeah. And with those other lots... Probably no one cared. Right. No one said anything. Now they've yeah. got 100 people showing up at this exactly. meeting. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the Broadduses tried to appeal this decision through, like, the legal system. This poor couple. Yes. I want to hug them. I know. And a New Jersey judge said that they didn't have the right to appeal it and yeah. declined their motion. They were completely distraught by this point. They're like, what the fuck do we do? We have to stop the financial bleeding. Yeah. The kids can't go to college anymore. Yeah. We have to vacation in Branson, Missouri now. No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You said that with genuine sympathy. I mean, yeah. They're not going to the Catskills. Nope. Fuck Martha's Vineyard. That's right. Branson Moe. That's exactly right. Finally, they decided they'd just try and rent it out themselves. See if they could get someone Does in there. Does the neighborhood allow that? Uh, apparently, 
Okay. Or apparently there was not a good way for the neighborhood to be able to fight that because they were actually able to do that. They were able to rent the home um, to a family that had, you know, a couple kids and a couple dogs. Mm. Um, but the renters worked a clock. They had grown. They were adult children. Oh, okay. Like, you know, mm. not small children. Um, but they worked a clause into the lease that if a letter came while they were there, they would have to be let out of the lease. Okay. Two weeks go by, and a letter fucking comes to the renters. No. Um, Derek no. just happened to, like, be there. He happened to come to the house to deal with some oh. squirrels that were, like, doing something in the attic, I guess. Writing letters. Yeah, writing letters, yeah. And the renter hands him an envelope, and it says, Violent winds and bitter cold. Oh, God. To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Oh, my God. <laughs> It was dated February 13th, which was um, a notable day because it was the day that the Broadduses were deposed in their lawsuit against the Woodses. Okay. This is what it said. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Oh. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. This letter seemed to have a different tone yeah. than the other letters. Yeah. It was like much more angry. It's and, more insulting yes. than creepy. Yes. And it seemed to be the other ones had been um, kind of poetic and like had mm-hmm. been, you know, written in a certain tone. This one seemed to very Maybe workshopped a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, they mentioned like the media coverage. It said, I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched as you watched from the dark house and attempted to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard has survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its armies of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher oh my god the letter went on to mention the renter and then talked about how like they noticed that security cameras had been installed around the house Mm -hmm. and then it went on to talk about revenge and how revenge could come in many forms maybe a car accident maybe a fire maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day Maybe a mysterious death of a pet. Oh. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Derek, again, took this letter to the police. They kind of pulled up that neighborhood mm-hmm. map, and they put out this, like, per- they dr- traced this perimeter on it. Mm-hmm. It was essentially, like, a 300-yard perimeter. And, uh... And said that they believed that the Watcher must live somewhere in there. Well, no shit. Yeah. And Derek drew one, like, a little, like, he he was like, no. He drew, like, a much tighter circle. And he's yes. like, it's one of these ten houses. Yeah. It's one of these ten houses. Yes. And you can't help me. Mm-hmm. They continued to press the case, but the police told them. There was nothing they could do. The Watcher could be anyone. We believe the letter writer is located in North America. Yes. Are they kidding with that crap? No kidding. We believe yeah. it's someone in the neighborhood. Uh-huh. No, no shit. shit. Yeah. 
Somehow, over time, the Broadusses found a way to no longer live in constant fear that the Watcher could be, you know, ready you know, to strike at any time. You know, the, it's the mild illness thing that creeped me out the most in that whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Because it makes you paranoid about everything. Yeah. About big things mm-hmm. happening and about just like, hmm, my stomach feels a little weird right now. Yeah. Is it that I'm just having a weird stomach thing, or is a neighbor slowly poisoning me right, somehow? Right, exactly. So they were still essentially living in this neighborhood. So they were having run-ins with people who knew about this constantly. At, at one time, um, Maria said that she was at the, the YMCA. Winch. Yeah, the winch of a wife, Maria. <laughs> she was at, I think that was the alternate version of the song in Westward Side Story. <laughs> Look at you, you're so proud of that joke. (laughs) (laughs) So at one point, she's like at the gym taking a spin class. Mm -hmm. And the head of the planning board, who had turned down their request to turn that lot into, you know, Mm -hmm. two lots, was there. And she went up to him afterwards and he said, and she said, you hurt my family and you continue to hurt my family every day. Okay, well... Um, so, I, I, yeah, I don't think that the, that guy personally did it, but the planning board following their request uh-huh. had approved several other requests that made bigger exceptions than the exception of theirs course. had been. Yeah. And it's because... A hundred people showed <laughs> up. Yes. 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 Yeah. As a reporter, I've been punished by having to go to those stupid yeah. meetings. They're <laughs> terrible. No one ever shows up. That's when the real shit happens. But when yeah. people suddenly show up, they do whatever the crowd does. Yeah. Once. Absolutely. Um, the Broaddus' lawsuit against the Woodses was ultimately dismissed. Yeah. They did finally sell the house in August of 2019. Mm-hmm. At a loss of four hundred thousand dollars, they sold it for like nine hundred thousand. They lost way more than that. Oh yeah, and the watcher has never been caught. Have there been any more letters? No, I don't believe so. Hmm. And that's the story of the watcher. That may be my favorite case you've ever done. It's a good one. I love it. I love it. It's a real estate one. It's creepy as hell. Um, yeah, I think old woman. Yeah. It's funny because that was your take immediately. And I was like, well, she's going to love it when she finds out there's a 90-year-old lady living next to her. Um, yeah. It's something about mm-hmm. kind of how poetic the letters are. Absolutely. Um, again, my experience from living in multiple neighborhoods is that um, the old people who have lived in a neighborhood for a long time mm-hmm. sometimes feel like sometimes feel like they are entitled to tell yeah. you what to do with your house yeah. because you're the new yeah, young people. That's true. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I um I don't know. I I think your theory's great. I think it's very very possible. Okay, let's start a GoFundMe to go <laughs> look into this. <laughs> um what do you think of did the woods receive other letters? Yeah, I think it's very likely that they had received other letters. I could see them not receiving them yeah. though. 
I could see it being, okay, obviously someone has way too much time on their hands. Yeah. They're very bored. They want to be creepy. And a place near them goes up for sale. They feel like they have no control over that. And they don't have any yeah. control over that. And so that triggers something in them. Yeah. Um, I left out a little bit where, um, I don't know, a year or two after all this Mm -hmm. happened, um, when all of the rumors were swirling about the Broadduses, a bunch of people in the neighborhood got letters um, defending the Broadduses and saying, Mm -hmm. like, none of this is true. Like, they didn't do any of this. And it was signed a friend of the Broadduses. Uh-huh. It was Derek who sent them out. Oh, God. Oh, Derek, you've become the thing you (laughs) hate the most. exactly. Really? Yeah. Oh, Derek. He became too obsessed with the case, obviously. Yeah, he was in too deep. It did. It overtook his life. Spending too much time in his foxhole with his maps and his red yarn. How has this not become a movie? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. So Netflix just bought the rights to it <gasps> and is developing yes! a movie. Okay. I love it. I love uh, it. So, uh, you know, Neve, the catfish guy? I know him very well. His brother, who made the catfish movie, uh-huh. has signed on to direct. No, oh, I don't love it. <laughs> he did one of the paranormal activities. That's pretty good. Mm. <laughs> okay. It's still early. He could... He, the project could change between now and then, Kristen. No, <laughs> don't get too upset. What if I started writing him creepy letters to get him off of the project? <laughs> so I've become quite attached to this so, story. You know, a lot of people, when the rumors were flying that the Broadduses did this themselves, like to oh, try and get a movie deal or whatever. Dumbest. So the biggest point of contention against that, the biggest thing that the Broadduses said is that Lifetime came to them and wanted to make a movie and they said no. Because they were holding out for a better network. No, they just didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, they were trying to still keep it quiet. Well, Lifetime made a movie anyway yeah. called The Watcher. And the Brasses sent them a cease and desist. Right. But Lifetime won the argument, basically, because they had Yeah, because they put it out into the public themselves. Well, yeah, so they put, yes. And they cast the couple as a biracial couple, which they were not in real life. And they signed the letters The Raven instead of The Watcher. <laughs> Well, it's so different. It's completely different. (laughs) You change one person's race and you've changed the whole story. That's exactly right. (laughs) Um, So they say when you're writing about someone in a book, like a novel, and you're making it about them, but obviously you can get sued if it's too close to who the actual person is. The way you get out of being sued is by giving the character a really small penis because the guy would never, <laughs> never come forward and be like, that's me! Yeah. That's me! That's hilarious. I'm the Golden State Killer. I've got a tiny <laughs> peen. <laughs> I loved it. Brandy, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Welcome back! <laughs> oh, that was so good. Uh, yes, thank you to Ben and Blue Orchid for... Uh, thank you. For it's Orchid. I don't think it's Orchid. <laughs> Yeah, thank you both. That was so good. So good. I don't even want to go on to my case now. I want to solve this thing. I, I know, right? I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we got an anonymous letter from a neighborhood, for, yeah. from a neighbor at our first house. Yeah. And I was always pretty sure it was the very old woman next door. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm just prejudiced. Maybe you are. Sorry, Peg. <laughs> Oh, man. 
well, how do I, how do I, how do you follow that? Yeah, how do I follow that? How about you talk about Little House on the Prairie? Okay, I'm going to talk about the time that Laura Ingalls was (laughs) murdered. (laughs) Sorry, I have to spice this up somehow. If I have to make up a story, I will. Okay, big thank you to Fierce Mama Llama for suggesting this case in the Discord. Also, uh, shout out to Wikipedia for giving me all that sweet, sweet background info. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, I did some weird hand gestures. It was awkward. Creeped Brandy out. Yeah. Also, thank you to the LA Times and the New York Times for their coverage of this lawsuit. Brandy, I've got a question for you. Okay. Have you ever heard of an author named Laura Ingalls Wilder? I'm familiar. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course you have, because you grew up in the great state of Kansas. That's exactly right. And in Kansas, elementary school children are required to read Little House on the Prairie, or at least we were. Do you think they still do that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. When did you read this stuff? Fourth grade? Yeah, fourth grade. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) Yeah, fourth grade was the year, like, you learned all about Kansas. So, gosh, that was a thrilling year for all of us. (laughs) Oh, how we loved it. Did you like Little House on the Prairie, the series at all? Yeah, I think so. I didn't. Like the books, you mean? Well, what do you mean? Like, there's a show, Little House on the Prairie, Kristen. Well, yeah, in the 70s. I never watched it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I never watched it. I think I liked the books. I read them. I read, like, four of them. Okay. Yeah. I must have liked him. <laughs> I mean, I read him too, but I, I have no recollection of them, like, at all, though. Do you know the one thing I remember from them? The bear? No. Oh. I remember that in one book, a character says the only good Indian is a dead Indian. <gasps> yes. Wow. That com- becomes relevant at in a tidbit at the end of this oh, whole thing okay. but that is the only, only thing, thing i remember I, I don't remember anything okay so let's talk about the beloved author of the little house on the prairie <laughs> series laura ingles wilder so laura was born in 1867 in pepin wisconsin hmm. but when she was just two years old ma and pa moved to what is now independence kansas which these days boasts a population of nearly 9,000 people. I was say, not to be confused with Independence, Missouri. Where you can Very get all places. your meth. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me what they're more well-known for. It's 100% yeah. what they're known for. <laughs> then, a few years later, they moved back to Wisconsin, and blah, 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 move, 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 kids, 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 prairies, prairies, prairies. <laughs> Fast forward, I I don't find her childhood nearly as fascinating as she did. Fast forward, (laughs) it's true. But she lived in a little house on the prairie, Kristen. That's all you need to know. In addition to some racist shit. Fast forward to 1885. She's 20. She's actually 18. Oh, I forgot what year she was born. <laughs> it was 1860 something. And she marries 28 year old Almanzo Wilder in Desmet, South Dakota. How do you spell that? D E capital S M E T. Desmet? Sure. All right. She called him Manly, and he called her Bessie. Because he had a sister named Laura, and I guess he didn't like things to be weird. 
<laughs> that one. I'm sorry. Hold on. She didn't just describe him as manly. That's what she called him. It was a nickname. That's not a nickname. You call David Stud Muffin. <laughs> I know, actually. What do you call him? I call him Love. Do you really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I call Norm Love. I know. Um, it's not like I. Because you're obsessed with me, yeah. Because I wouldn't be. Ex- I wouldn't wear what like a, a curious. I want to wear a skin suit of you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that's how London became called Little Love. Because oh. we, David and I, call each other Love. And mm-hmm. then, so when I was pregnant with her, he'd say, "Hi, Love. Hi, Little Love." Okay, we're all about to throw up. It's all right. Super cute. And Little Love has stuck. Yeah. Like it will continue it, to stick. It will. She'll be ninety years old, writing creepy letters to her neighbor, <laughs> and she'll be just call <laughs> So yeah, he she calls him manly. He calls her Bessie. A year later, they had a daughter named Rose. And then, this poor couple had—if it was in a novel, you'd be like, "This can't happen to one couple. This yeah. is this is cruel. This would never happen in real life." So get this. Almanzo got diphtheria, which left him partially paralyzed. Which part? <laughs> I think it was the bottom part. And he eventually was able to walk again, but he had to use a cane for the rest of his life. My God, Brandy. The insensitivity. If Almanzo was alive today, he'd strike you with his cane, and you would deserve it. You hear people... Be paralyzed from the waist down. You know, you're helping people. Be paralyzed from the waist up. Why is that? Brandy. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I'm sorry. So, anyway, poor Almanzo was like. Wait, what's his name? Almanzo. Poor Almanzo was partially paralyzed, (laughs) which is hilarious to you, apparently. My God. Then somehow their barn caught fire. Oh, does that amuse you too? Um, Which sucked because it was their barn, Brandy, and because it was full of their hay and grain. (laughs) Jesus Christ! These are real people. Real cases, real people. Then they had a son, but he died when he was just 12 days old. I just look at because I was looking at you like you better not laugh. <laughs> and he died when he was how old? 12 days, Brandy. Oh, that's very sad. Yeah, it is. And then little Rose accidentally set that house on fire. Okay. Oh, and the whole thing burned to the ground. Oh my gosh. There was also a severe drought. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I'm sorry, we've got the giggles. We don't think this is funny. It's just we've got the giggles. The drought lasted several years. <laughs> so they, they couldn't make a living. Uh, and because of their living conditions, they got super sick. <laughs> Life sucked. You'll be happy to know. (laughs) They moved around a bit, and eventually in 1894, they moved to Mansfield, Missouri. 
been there? Heard no, of it? No, I've never heard of it. Yeah, today it is home to a whopping 1,255 people. Oh, what's it by? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think it's by much. <laughs> let me let me Google that real quick. Okay, so, I mean, it's truly not near much. It's, like, pretty far east of Springfield. Hmm. All right. We could go. Yeah, like, we could get some cheese on the way, probably. Cheese? Yeah, you'd probably go through Osceola to get there. <laughs> like, I want to be trapped in a car with four people and a bunch of cheese that we're <laughs> eating. <laughs> They moved to Mansfield. Times were hard, but they eventually got better. They moved into a log cabin with no windows. Oh, gosh. That sounds so grim. They planted apple trees, and it only took seven years for those trees to bear fruit. Almanzo sold firewood in town for like 50 cents a bundle or whatever, which I didn't even adjust for inflation, but that doesn't (laughs) sound like much. Oh, God. Got a boob hair. Got a boob hair? You ever get a hair down you in the, the old You get block? a boob hair all the time. I've never had a boob hair. I'm convinced that my hair falls out at a more rapid rate <laughs> than other people. I also touch my hair a lot. It, but you have a ton of hair, so mm. you can, uh, you mm. can uh, stand to lose some. Wow. You could have said you have such beautiful, thick, wonderful, you do. luscious hair. Too late. It's too late <laughs> to apologize. <laughs> it's too late. Okay. I'm sorry, Brandy. I won't continue singing. I'm going to move on with the story. Damn it. (laughs) One time, Almanzo's parents came to visit them, and they were like, hey, you guys look like you could use some help. Here's the deed to the rental property we own in Mansfield, Missouri, which I'd kind of be like, damn, we've been living in this log cabin with (laughs) With no no windows. windows. You guys have rental property in town? Oh, my gosh. Everything was turning up Millhouse. Yes. They kept their farm on the outskirts of town, and over time, they came to own almost 200 acres. Wow. Eventually, they sold the home that Almanzo's parents gave them and took that money that they made off of the house to build a real cute farmhouse on their big old chunk of property just outside of town. Excellent. It's actually really cute, and it's still standing today. Oh, it is? Mm Mm-hmm. You can visit it. Oh. You can tour it. Should we go? Yes! Let's go! Well, we can't because of COVID, which is a hoax by the media. (laughs) What if someone believes me? I'm like, I knew it! (laughs) Man, that person has sat through a lot of crap here to hear that. So, to sum it up, Over the course of 20 years, they'd gone from a log cabin with no windows and a crappy patch of land. And by crappy, I mean it's like just, it sounds beautiful, just trees, 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 and rocks. Yeah. But, you know, if you're trying to farm. That's bad. bad, That's bad, 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 bad. bad. (laughs) (laughs) To having a poultry slash dairy slash fruit farm and living in a 10-room farmhouse with a whole mess of windows. Mm. They put windows in their windows just because they missed windows so much. They're like, hey. You go look out that window. I'll look out this window. Oh, there's some creepy old lady looking in at me. (laughs) Laura and Almanzo knew their shit, and people respected them for it. They were kind of authorities on how to run a farm. So Laura, in particular, was like a great speaker, so she joined a bunch of clubs, and she spoke to be about, like, how to be a kick-ass farmer. Yeah. That was the title of her speech. (laughs) (laughs) She was very spicy. Yes. So in 1911... 
a publication called the Missouri Ruralist was like, yo, Laura. Say that three times fast. I can't. <laughs> How would you like to become a columnist slash editor for our lovely pub- publication? <laughs> and she said, sure. Turns out, Laura was awesome at writing columns. People loved them. Her column was called, As a Farm Woman Thinks. Oh, and I'm sure it was fascinating. <laughs> it <laughs> it sounds, sleep while you were... <laughs> sounds terrible. It sounds like something my grandpa would have loved. Yeah. My grandpa Shippert was so into that shit. Well, they lived on a farm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it all adds up. <laughs> oh, my grandpa Shippert. New York City stockbroker. <laughs> no. <laughs> he grew up on a farm in Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> Years went by, and Laura got better and better at writing. Meanwhile, her daughter Rose is, like, the most fascinating woman you haven't read about. Rose, do you know anything about No. Ro- no, neither did I. I just thought she was, like, daughter of Laura Ingalls yeah. Wilder. No, she's, like, legit. She's not the gaming historian's wife? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? You know what you are. What? The gaming historian's wife's friend. Oh, well, no! Yeah, it doesn't get lower than You're that. You're right. Lady. You're right. So. I'd just like to point out that I'm also the gaming historian's friend. Okay, but when people describe you, <laughs> you don't get to decide how people describe you. Let me tell you something. You're You'll right. be the wife's friend. You're right. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although you are Norman's friend. And you stood up for him with his little <laughs> peanut m and M scandal. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do to Norm in his own house. Okay, you guys. Norman complains at length that we don't have enough good snacks yeah. in the house. And then you paraded peanuts in front of him. Peanut M&M's. Okay, I put them in a jar. <laughs> And it turns out... They're impossible to get out of it! It is really hard to get them out of there. It's kind of like a slow feeder. (laughs) Uh, But, like, Brandy is way too sympathetic to Norm when he complains about this. As if he isn't a grown man who can go buy snacks himself. Anyway. Anyway. So Rose was super smart, and she graduated at the top of her class of seven people. Oh, good. So, there she is. Super smart. But she was a woman, which in the early 1900s was a little like being a giraffe who's really good at poker. No one, no one even invites the giraffe to play poker, so he doesn't even know how good he is at poker. You know? Yeah. That's an old saying. Yeah, I don't think it is. It is. <laughs> totally. I was stumped. I was trying to come up with some metaphor. That's what is I got. The fish and the bicycle? Isn't that the metaphor? It's been done. <laughs> this is the new one that's taking oh, the over. The poker party. <laughs> so Rose graduates high school, but her parents can't afford to send her to college, and she was not impressed by the opportunities afforded to women in Mansfield, Missouri. I'm sure. So she's like, fuck this, I'm moving to Sedalia, Missouri. Ooh. And then she was like, fuck this, I'm moving to Kansas City, Missouri, and I'm going to work as a telegrapher at the Midland Hotel. Mm. Then she was like, fuck this. Is that still around? Um, I don't think so. Midland Hotel. I So I Googled it, and you can see 
cool pictures. Is it just the Midland now? No. Surely no, not. A concert venue. Right. And surely they didn't like Midland Hotel. Hmm. You'll see some sweet pics. Yeah, it's pretty. So then she was like, fuck this, I'm moving to Indiana. And then she was like, fuck this, I'm moving to San Francisco. She kept being a telegrapher everywhere, and eventually in San Francisco, she married a man named Claire, which I did not know that men were named Claire, I so I was at first very excited, and then that like, oh, be. just a dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the fast-forwarded version of the next few years. They moved all over the place. Rose got pregnant. The baby was born stillborn. She had surgery in Kansas City, and as a result, she was unable to have more children. Mm-hmm. She and her husband worked together a bit on different advertising projects, and Brandy Charlie. made a big noise getting her drink. Brandy, you will be let go. <laughs> you will be replaced by DP in a second. He's chomping at the bit. He certainly is. But Rose was not intellectually stimulated, and marriage wasn't as great as she thought it would mm-hmm. be. So even though she wrote these like really happy, sunny letters to her parents... She was secretly struggling with depression and at one point attempted suicide. Ooh. This whole time, she had a chip on her shoulder about her lack of formal education. So she educated herself. She taught herself several languages, read every book under the sun, and at one point got what was supposed to be a short-lived job at the San Francisco Bulletin. But here's the thing. Rose was such a good writer and editor, that everyone there was like, hey, see, this broad can write, see? <laughs> so she wrote, you know, back in the day, they used to do, like, serialized uh-huh. fiction. So she did, like, you know, romantic, you yeah. know, steamy stuff. Uh-huh. Bodices were ripped, ripped yeah. on the weekly, you know. <laughs> uh you know, they ran in the paper. She wrote books on Henry Ford, Charlie Chaplin, Herbert Hoover, yada, yada, yada. You get the idea. The vacuum guy? Typey, typey, typey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Average president, great vacuum guy. <laughs> so you get the idea. Rose was an awesome writer. Yeah. But in 1918, the managing editor of the San Francisco Bulletin resigned, and she decided to quit, too. So she became a freelance writer, and she was super successful. What are you licking? I'm not licking anything. Are you licking? You're licking something. My teeth. You're licking your teeth? You never and, run. And I'm supposed to just sit here and act like you're being a normal human while you... I was you... just sitting here like this, running my tongue on the ridges of my teeth. You don't ever run your tongue on the ridges of your teeth? Not while someone is forced to watch me. <laughs> was doing it like in the comfort of my own mouth no no false you left the trap door open and i was getting a gander of the whole thing <laughs> listen i'm the watcher i saw some dude with his easel up in there <laughs> so she wrote for all these major publications like the saturday evening post harper's good housekeeping wow you know just the tops and she became a best-selling novelist. Wow. Did you know this? No. I had no idea. Okay. Early on in my research, and by that I mean Wikipedia, mm-hmm. I found that there's like this marker 
from where she was born, saying, you know, Rose Blah Blah yeah. was born here. And I thought, wow, you get a marker because you were born to, to a famous Lauren mom? <laughs> but no, turns out she's, she's this lady's legit. Right? Yeah. Around this time, she tells her husband, Claire, to F off and they get divorced. Oh. Which, oh. I mean, yeah, how rare was that, Ooh. right? A short time later, she became one of the highest paid women writers in America. Wow. Which probably meant like two cents. I yeah. don't know. That's, fun fact, that's where the term, give your two cents, came from. <laughs> from being the highest paid woman writer in that's the right. 1920s. <laughs> She's got two cents, see? <laughs> More than a broad should make, see? <laughs> so... Even though she's, like, at the top of her game, she still struggled with depression, struggled with a ton of self-doubt, um, and evidently wasn't that great with money, because uh-huh. she was just super generous with it, and, you know, I don't yeah. know. Around this time, in 1924, when Rose, the super successful author of the family, goes to her mom, Laura, who was, like... A mildly successful regional columnist, and she was like, hey, mom, let's team up on a writing project. Let's work together on a couple of articles describing the interior of your farmhouse for Country Gentleman magazine. Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you believe that? That sounds terrible. That sounds awful. (laughs) Awful. Yeah. So, you know, I, that was fascinating, no. I'm sure. If only we could get our hands on that. That'd yeah, be some I good wish. nighttime reading. <laughs> Rose, what? You know what? I bet if we go to the house, they've it's got... It's there. Well, it would have to be. Mm. The only people who would want to read that thing is, like, in the house itself, right? Yeah. All right. So Rose was super famous and successful. Her parents were doing okay, but they relied on financial assistance from Rose. And so they were like, hey, you know, maybe... Oh, my God. They what? relied on financial assistance from... Uh, you know how I heard that? How? They were light on financial assistance from Rose. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck it. Get their own money. What are they... <laughs> Should I give them enough? Where are their bootstraps? <laughs> But, you know, they they got this idea, like, maybe Laura tries to become a novelist with help from Rose and Rose's connections, and all of a sudden life won't be quite so hard. Great idea, right? Mm. Yes. Well, then the stock market crashed in 1929, and they were all fucked. (laughs) They lost basically everything. Holy shit. Rose, too? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they didn't lose the farm. Yeah. But... All the money they'd invested, I mean, it was bad. But there's nothing like hardship to get the creative juices a-flowing. And boy, did they flow. Boy, were they juicy. (laughs) (laughs) To make a long story, long, juicy story (laughs) short, Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote a ton of books. She published her first one, Little House in the Big Woods, in 1932, when she was 65 years old. Eesh. Holy crap, right? Wow. Yeah, I've yeah. got some time. I was going to say, you got plenty of time, Why Kristen. am I putting all this pressure on Stop myself it. while I'm still so young and beautiful? beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this kicked the Little House on the Prairie Street. <laughs> what? <laughs> you got a problem with your nose, Kristen? <laughs> what? what did I even mean? 
I'm going to read to you from the notes. You ready? Yeah. This kicked the Little House on the Prairie series, which was a series of books written for children. What? You, this, kicked this kicked off. off. I'm yeah. guessing it's yeah. to say. They were loosely based on Laura's childhood in her pioneer family. Yeah. We heard about that already. But you didn't know it. You'd forgotten all about okay. it. And you needed to hear it again. <laughs> yes. Damn it. She received a lot of help from Rose. Mm. Maybe all the help from Rose. So some people think that Rose actually wrote the books. Yeah. It sounds like Rose did write the books. <laughs> but That would be my guess as well. But it doesn't sound as good. And here's this story about my mom's life. <laughs> so you sell it. Like Laura Ingalls Wilder herself wrote it. So, okay. Here's one thing. Rose gets all that money when Laura kicks it anyway. Wow. Very rude. Very insensitive. They're not going to let you in the farmhouse, <laughs> lady. They're going to take you out back and shoot you. <laughs> so, one thing I read said that Rose, you know, obviously struggled with confidence, struggled with writer's block a little bit, but... She did a great job ghostwriting because, you know, that really does kind of take the pressure off. Yeah. So, you know, maybe. But I think it's also possible that she and her mom collaborated on the books. Yeah. Stop. Collaborate and and listen. listen. (laughs) Laura's out with a brand new edition. (laughs) So, you know, who knows what the deal was. But the bottom line was um, the books became a huge success. Yeah. Laura and Almanzo became rich. Filthy stinking. Filthy stinking rich. (laughs) Life was grand. Truckloads of fans would show up in Mansfield, Missouri to meet the famous Laura from Little House on the Prairie. That sounds terrible. I think she liked it. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, mean, how many people really showed up? Truckloads. I mean, but how often does the truck come by, (laughs) right? Although they probably do expect to, like, sit and have a slice of pie with you. They probably do want to have a piece of pie with you. What would you do if truckloads of people showed up at your house to meet you, but they brought their own pie? (laughs) Are they sharing the pie? Absolutely. And you have to make a decision. Is this person a creep who's poisoned the pie? I mean, it looks like great pie. Yeah, and, you know, I don't know where the pie came from. You know, see, this... The other thing that this brings in is uh-huh. my fear of potlucks. So. Okay, I've got a question. Uh-huh. And we can cut this. So Kyla mentioned yeah. that she had tried to bring you a meal one time when, uh-huh. after you first had London. And you yeah. were like, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. We're good. And Kyla told me this. And she's like, you know what I remembered from listening to the podcast is Brandy does not accept food when she hasn't seen someone's oh, kitchen. I don't have a fear of Kyla's kitchen. That's what I said. Not at all. I was like, no, with Brandy, you've got to be more forceful with it. you got to be like, I've made you something. Could I drop it by? Yeah, no. Yeah, it was totally that I thought that was unnecessary for her to come all the way to my house to bring me something. I felt bad accepting it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I told her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> She had two damn kids of her own to be taken care of. She didn't have time to be running food to me. Oh, she would have neglected the kids. She would would have put Henry in charge of Alexandra. It would have been fine. It had nothing to do with it. I have no fear of Kyla's Kitchen. I'd eat it. I'd for sure eat out of Kyla's Kitchen. Anyone who was raised by Sherry exactly, they've got a decent enough kitchen. I mean, we can't live up to our mom's standard, but you know, still. Okay. So, Laura and Almanzo continued to live on their farm until their deaths. 
Almanzo died in 1942 at the age of 92, and Laura died in 1956 at the age of 90. They were both buried at the Mansfield Cemetery. Can we go there? Yeah. Let's do it! I really do want to go. I'm itching to go on a trip. I know it's not allowed. I think that's the poison ivy, actually. (laughs) Do you see this poison (laughs) ivy on my neck? I do see it. Yeah, we filmed the video, and I was like, well, this is going to be embarrassing. (laughs) Yet another video where I'm covered in poison ivy. (sighs) Looking like a freak. (laughs) But people, especially the people of Mansfield, weren't content with letting Laura Ingalls Wilder's legacy die out. So they immediately created a nonprofit so that they could buy the Wilder's house and make it into a museum to celebrate this famous literary giant. Yeah. Can you buy the books there? I mean, Is that there would, a gift shop? That would seem like a real missed opportunity. I hope there's a gift shop. I love a gift shop. Do you love a museum gift shop? Yes. Do you know? <laughs> what? My favorite gift shop I've ever been into was at a museum I didn't even get to go to because the admission was too high. What? My family, you know, we used to go on road trips all the time. Yeah. Like every summer we'd take a vacation. But there was, you know, six of us. So that's... Sure, that's a lot. So we stopped at the Biltmore. Oh. I wanted to go through it so bad. But it was like crazy expensive to go uh-huh, through. Uh-huh. And so we just went through the gift shop. And the gift shop was amazing. What'd they have? And I think that the part of it was, too, is that we were there late in the day. So, like, we would have had to pay uh, yeah. a full price ticket and not get the full tour. I think right, that's what the deal right. was. Anyway. I don't know. All kinds of cool shit. I wanted to buy this Chinese stamp set. But mm-hmm. I didn't buy it. <laughs> How long ago was this? I was probably 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you remember it to this day. Yeah. Well, it's, it was the summer after sixth grade. So how old would I have been? 12? Yeah, 12. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember when we went to the Titanic Museum. Do you remember that gift shop? Yeah. Some of the stuff I thought was in a bit of poor taste. I tried the to get... Survivor bracelets? <laughs> yes. Okay. At the Titanic Museum in Branson, <laughs> Missouri, you can buy Survivor bracelets. <laughs> What? What? Right? That doesn't yeah, seem right. I don't think it seems right. And you could also buy, didn't they have shot glasses that had like icebergs on them? Yeah. Yeah. Also, and David didn't buy this for you, but I did my best. The heart of the ocean. I. It was twelve ninety nine. I believe. <laughs> I wanted him to buy it for you. And you were like, I will not wear it. I would not have worn it. Whether you wanted it, whether you would wear it was none of my concern <laughs> i wanted it in your possession <laughs> what would you do <laughs> if i did like a stick figure drawing of you naked with the heart of the ocean <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious would you frame it i would okay great yep. All right, so uh, where were we? Um, gift shop. They have a museum. Shop. They've got a... We're pretty sure there's a gift shop. <laughs> there was just one problem. Mm-hmm. Rose didn't love the idea. She was like, mm, I don't know if I really want my mom's legacy to be... Oh, I'm she's, I'm sorry. I'm... I'm <laughs> so she wanted her mom's legacy to be all about the books. She was kind of afraid if it's about the house. Yeah. It's, you know, just kind of weird. Anyway, she changed her mind. And decided that a museum would actually keep people's attention on the books. Duh. I don't know Uh, why. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I got to lube up my lips here. You do require a lot of lubing. I know. (laughs) I know. I got to get greased up every half hour. So 
So she helped the townspeople out. She donated the money they needed to buy the house. And she was like, here's a bunch of my parents' old shit. You can fill up the museum to the brim. And don't worry, because I'll be sure to send you a check every year to help maintain the museum. Everything was great. As the Wilder's only child, Rose, of course, got a ton of stuff, including the ownership of the Little House Literary Estate. Mm. It had all been laid out in Laura's will, which was clear as day. Rose gets the rights to the Little House series. Oh, yes. But, but, and this is a direct quote from Laura's will, at her death, I direct that said copyrighted literary property and income from same be given to the Laura Ingalls Library of Mansfield, Missouri. Okay. Okay, so... Yeah, Rose gets it until she kicks it, and then it goes oh. to the library. Yep, yep, Laura Ingalls Library. Got it. Is that another thing that exists? Is that the problem? Is that not what it's called? It's called a museum? No, no, it's... Oh, okay. They have, they have the house oh, okay. and museum, and then they All also right. have this library. Okay. I realize I kind of wrote that in a confusing way. No, I thought you were trying to, like, slip in some hints there. Mm. I was looking for a hint where it didn't exist. There was no slippage. <laughs> so it's all pretty clear. Yeah. You already summed it up, so I'll skip that part. <laughs> Rose has the copyrights. She continues living her life. She gets super political. She becomes one of the founders of the American Libertarian Movement. Ooh. She's like, you guys, race is a social construct and racism is bullshit, so cut it out. And then they all stop being yeah, racist. racist. And that's ended. why racism ended. Yes. Thank you, Rose. <laughs> At some point, Rose became the adoptive grandmother slash mentor to this guy named Roger Lee McBride. Roger was the son of one of Rose's friends, and Rose and Roger were super close. They were both big-time libertarians. In fact, Roger would actually later run for president in 1976 as a libertarian, mm. and he won. Um, but that's yes. the thing. <laughs> Everybody remembers that. Everyone remembers that, right? <laughs> but that's jumping ahead. What you really need to know is that Roger and Rose were super close. And she wanted to leave him. All kinds of stuff when she died. Hmm. 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 Only it wasn't hers to leave. Hmm. Well. Hmm. Or was it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for filling that in while I took a sip of my coffee. <laughs> so Roger became Rose's attorney and her business manager. Ooh, I don't like that. What? Can't you be multiple things? Mm, seems Friends, slash She's lawyer, trying, no. slash business B- Slash adopted grandson. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He's taking advantage of Rose. Well. Hmm. He's trying to get his filthy paws on her silky drawers. <laughs> oh, my God. What's the next line? Would you call that something with a net? Yeah. I, I, Would I you never... pull that crap with a net? Yes, yes. <laughs> As for you... <laughs> So then in 1968, at the age of 81, Rose died in her sleep, and she was buried next to her parents in the Mansfield Cemetery. Rose had named Roger as the executor of her will and her sole heir. Mm. Mm -hmm. And all the rights to Laura Ingalls Wilder's literary works went to Roger McBride. Yep. Fuck the library. Yeah. See you guys. Oh, my gosh. 
According to court papers later filed by the Laura Ingalls Library, Roger McBride and Rose Wilder Lane weren't nearly as close as he would have you believe. Mm -hmm. The idea that he was Rose's adopted grandson and guardian of the Wilder's estate was a myth. It was a scam. Was a myth (laughs) perpetuated by him. It was a scam. They said that after Rose died, Roger gained control of the entire literary estate by renewing all the copyrights that were about to expire and putting them in his name. Mm. He you know also, what that sounds like? What? Scam. <laughs> Brandy's on to something, guys. <laughs> he also applied for new copyrights for all of Laura's unpublished books, which, F that. Mm-mm. Brandy, if you find something on my pooter after I've kicked the bucket (laughs) and I haven't sent it out to a literary agent to try to get it published, it's because they don't want it to be published. And get this. So he's he's got all the stuff now. Yeah. He co-created and co-produced the TV show <gasps> that you mentioned. Shut up. Little House on the Prairie, which ran from 74 to 83. Wow. That show was aired in more than 100 countries. But Roger didn't just make money off the TV show or the books. He also made money off of cookbooks, which... Not God. fucking cookbooks. They have Little House on the Prairie cookbooks? Yeah, take an old apple off the ground. <laughs> Mix it with the carcass of a squirrel. I don't know. <laughs> also, friendship bracelets and calendars and, you know, all kinds of crap you could buy. All kinds of gift shop stuff. Yeah, so you have to have that stuff in the gift shop. <laughs> At one point, Universal Studios bought the rights to a Little House on the Prairie movie. Years went by. I don't think that ever happened. I don't think so either. And if it did, I gotta confess, don't know that I'd be running out to see it. No. And I love movies, and I see them often. No, you don't. <laughs> I just realized that when I said that, it's yeah, like, well, it's of like, course yeah, you wouldn't see it. Of course you wouldn't. You don't see movies. Years went by. Roger McBride was rolling in that sweet, sweet little house on the prairie dough. Okay. Isn't that a weird way yes. to be rich? Off of little house on huh. the prairie? Then, in 1995, he died, leaving all of his assets to his daughter, Abigail McBride Allen. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the poor little Laura Ingalls Library in Mansfield, Missouri, was not doing so hard. The library was located in an old medical clinic, which was made of concrete. The roof leaked everywhere. It was just all leaks. (laughs) (laughs) More the- leaks than roof, really. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a dry spot right there. <laughs> the heater didn't do anything, but when it did turn on, it would blast cold air. So in the wintertime, the library employees would sit in the library wearing their winter coats. They had foam insulation taped onto the windows. And if that wasn't enough, the books kind of sucked. <laughs> One library user told the L.A. Times, I went to look up something on raising milk cows, and I found one book on milk production. A scientific book from 1957. Jeez, oh, Pete, I could go to a big city and find books on raising milk cows, but I can't find them here. (laughs) 
Jeez, OP. I'm sorry, but that LA Times reporter had to have creamed his jeans when I he, when he heard Jeez, OP. He's like, the people of Missouri are living up to my expectations. So in the spring of 1999, a volunteer at the library was like, you guys, we have to do something. We've got to raise some money for this shitty library. So they did a big brainstorming session, and this volunteer got the bright idea to just take a look-see at Laura Ingalls Wilder's will. Yeah. No one had bothered to look at it in decades, apparently. Oh, my gosh. So this volunteer asked the library system's lawyer to take a look at it, and the lawyer was like, holy shit, guys! We should be getting a ton of money. Yeah. It says right here that when Rose dies, all the copyrighted literary property and the income from that property should be given to this library. So, the Laura Ingalls Library of Mansfield, Missouri looked itself in the mirror and it said, Let's go to court! By some estimates, the royalties on Laura Ingalls Wilder's estate could have been worth as much as $100 million. Yeah, that seems, yeah. <laughs> you had it about 99. Uh, yeah, seems... because in like 96. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the legal team for the library was like, hey, look, everybody, just take a look at the will. Obviously, we are owed a boatload of money, so just fork it over and we'll head yeah. on back to Mansfield. Yeah. But McBride's heirs and their good friends, Harper Collins, oh! who published the books, were like, mm, screech, no. <laughs> We really like having the money ourselves, thanks. Yeah. Grown quite attached to it. They said that Rose had every right to renew the copyrights on her mom's literary works. That's what she did. And then those copyrights belonged to her. Therefore, they were no longer part of her estate and thus no longer subject to Laura's will. So a few a few different sources kind of had this different ways. <laughs> and i guess it seems hmm, according to some that rose directed roger to renew these copyrights Mm -hmm. um okay but in whose yeah what do you think um i think it seemed like roger was scamming rose yeah yeah and he got away with it, mm-hmm. and now what? Oof. Yeah, oof. I think this sucks. Yeah, I think it super sucks. Yeah. So they're like, no, 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 and oh, by the way, even if the library had a claim, which it doesn't, the library is too late to the party because the library got its. One royalty payout in 1972. It was for a whopping $28,000. No! And it came with a warning that clearly said that by endorsing that check, the library was renouncing all future claims to any money that from the estate. That is sneaky. Fuck that. That is yep. sneaky. I hate that. I hate it. The legal team for the library was pissed. They were like... Yeah, the library was defrauded, and freaking Roger McBride bamboozled the library's directors by tricking them into thinking he was some adopted grandson, when when really he was just a friend at best. Yeah. And this goes all the way to the top, (laughs) because HarperCollins aided in this deception. 
So the library asked for unspecified damages and also asked the judge, Ordie D. Smith, to determine how much the Wilder estate was actually worth. Yeah. Part of what made this all so murky was the fact that, you know, some of Laura Ingalls Wilder's books had been published after her death. So did the library have the rights to the money from those books or just the ones that had been published for her death? Because, you know, her will obviously... I don't think included those. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. Th- I don't know. Whew. It was a big gray or perhaps green area. Green because of money? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty clever, huh? <laughs> the lawsuit dragged on for two years. Mm. And Brandy. You're going to love this. It settled out of court Uh for for an an undisclosed amount. Brandy's favorite thing. But I want you to do it. I gave you a gift of a case today. I know you did. I loved it. And and I'm sorry. This is settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. Here's the thing, though. You like my impression of you? (laughs) (laughs) It was spot on. People are like, is Kristen roasting herself? (laughs) I want you to Google, and this is, I'm sorry to the Laura Ingalls Wilder Library, but Google them and you tell me how much money they got out of this lawsuit. Oh. (laughs) Right? Oh, no. This poor library. My God. Yeah, they didn't get shit. No. No, they did not. Oh, I still want to go. Let's go. Yeah, let's absolutely go. But I'm just saying, like, I think they were owed a lot of money. Yeah. And clearly, they did not get shit. I think they bought the library employees new coats to wear. In there. <laughs> Maybe some buckets to hold yeah. out the leaks from the roof. <laughs> so the library is still open. And according to TripAdvisor, it's the number three thing on the list of things to do in Mansfield, Missouri. What? What to do? <laughs> Hang on. A recent review said, expected more, but was okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Glowing review. So... The Laura Ingalls Wilder Historic Home and Museum is the number one thing. Okay. And the cemetery is number two. <laughs> well, not going to lie, cemetery was higher on my list than the I, library. Well, that's so. because you're a big old weirdo. <laughs> so make no mistake. <laughs> so, a recent review on the Laura Ingalls Wilder Historic Home and Museum uh, gave it five stars. And the reviewer wrote, bring water and check for ticks. Oh, God. Which is my review of any rural Missouri area. <laughs> yeah. Laura Ingalls Wilder made headlines more recently in 2018. We're circling back to racism. Uh-huh. Just a fun little circle. It's a fun circle. When the American Library Association voted unanimously to strip her name from a major children's literature award. Ooh. Because of how Laura Ingalls Wilder referred to Native Americans and African Americans in her work. And that's what you remember from her work. That was the one thing I remembered. Yeah. Here's, so obviously, well, here we go. For example, in Little House on the Prairie, she wrote, there were no people, only Indians lived there. Well, those are 
dead people? Mm, evidently not. Oh my gosh. Um, in later editions of the book, that section was obviously removed. Yeah. But also throughout the series, multiple characters say that the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And that stuck with you. I remember being That's, shocked by yeah. it, and I remember telling my parents about it. Yeah. Wow. So now that award is named the Children's Literature Legacy Award. Hmm. Um, there was some backlash to that, which I think is stupid. Yeah. I think you can still, you can, ugh, people get so weird about cancel culture. You can still read this stuff. You can yeah. look at it through a critical lens. Yeah. But when you know better, you do better. We know, you know, yeah. we see how racist that is. So we don't need to celebrate right. this no, person. Yeah, we don't need the monuments. We don't need the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Don't look at me like I have a Confederate monument in my yard, Kristen. <laughs> Can you imagine? You don't have a lawn gnome. You just have a little Confederate guy. You're like, it's heritage, not hate. <laughs> and that's the story of the literary estate of Laura Ingalls Wilder. I hate that. I think that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was totally a scam. Roger, I think he pulled the wool over the townspeople's eyes I on agree. that one. I think he totally got away with it. Yeah. Uh. They said, um, I didn't write this part down, but they said he, like, used the money to finance his presidential bid. And it's like, well, yeah, he used the money for all kinds of stuff. All kinds of, of things. He used the money to live. He he made a freaking TV show yeah. out of it. Wow. Um, I thought his daughter seemed like kind of an interesting character. She is, I was about to say, very low-key, but I would almost say reclusive. Like, there, you can't mm. find photos of her. You can't find anything on her. So she just... Lays back with that money, I guess. Yeah. Somewhere in Virginia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet that's not by accident. No. Yeah. Although, I mean, her dad was out there doing his thing, running for president. He was yeah, pretty Yeah, but nobody bold. knew yet at that point. Yeah, I guess that's true. But even then, I mean, rich people do douchey things all the time. Yeah. And the townspeople in, this, in these articles I read were, like, so aggressively nice. They were like, we're sure it wasn't intentional. We're oh, sure my god! Seriously, seriously. All right, we're going to go support this library. I know. After we go to the home and the cemetery first. We'll go in order, the TripAdvisor says. What do they say is next? The Casey's guest. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let's look it up. Okay. Mansfield, Missouri. Okay. Best of Mansfield, Missouri. Okay, I'm going to do things to do. Okay. All right. Flights, yeah, I'm sure you're going to get yeah, a direct flight, flight right into Mansfield. Okay, number one, we know number one, we know yeah. number two, number three. Um, number four is Bakersville Pioneer Village. Ooh, ooh, that sounds good. Which I gotta say, that has a hundred reviews, four and a half stars. The Wilder Library has twelve reviews, <laughs> four stars. So how is that in number third place? And then number five is the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, which has 13 reviews and five stars. So I'm thinking this might be more like number five on the Mm. list. I'm thinking the library used its significant funds to get bumped up (laughs) in the TripAdvisor. Should I look at the restaurants, top restaurants? Yeah, what do we got there? Just apples and squirrel carcasses (laughs) ooh vaquero's pizza and pasta okay Okay. sweet nelly's ice cream parlor all right caroline's dry goods oh one recent review says fresh and homemade another says wish i hadn't bothered (laughs) (laughs) 
and Rise and Grind. Ooh, Ooh is that a coffee place? Mm-hmm. No, it's a <laughs> it's a place to just hook up. <laughs> oh, then they've got a Subway. <laughs> Subway makes the list. Subway makes the list. Then Weaver in Coffee and Dessert Bar, and then oh, Ma and Pa's Kettle has two and a half stars and twenty six reviews. Kind of controversial here. We've got one review, amazing food. The other one, we won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bonus video idea. We oh. go to Mansfield. We go to these places, and then we hit the we hit the food list. Okay, I would I love, love it. it. Oh, but Norm is such a bitch when he eats bad food. <laughs> you know this. I know it. Remember he ordered wrong at that place in Branson? He was real testy about it. I mean, you've described my entire life with him. Which, which place are you talking about? The place where he got the burger, and I got the French toast, because all of the reviews said they have the best French toast, and he was like... Nothing. Eyeballing my French toast the whole time. You know, here's the thing. If we go to a restaurant and everyone orders badly, yeah. you know, okay. Okay, it's a wash. But if you happen to have ordered well, and he ordered badly... He will stare you down as you eat your meal. It is the creepiest thing. Knowing you, you probably offered him a bite. And he was just like, I, I gave him, I couldn't yeah. eat it all. It was so delicious. So big, I couldn't eat it all. I gave him part of my French toast. To That probably just twisted the knife in his gut. <laughs> it probably maybe. did. It probably did. Yeah, I would love to go to Mansfield. Yeah. Okay. And we can hit, well, I'm hitting Osceola on the way there. I guarantee you it's on the way. Brandy. I am not sitting in a car with you while you eat a wheel of cheese. <laughs> I'm not doing not it. Not doing it. No, look it up. Look up Mansfield, Missouri. Let's see. Let's map out our Let's road map trip. our yeah our route. Ooh, Mansfield Woods vacation. Oh, yeah, three hour drive. That's not bad. We could do that in three and a half hours. <laughs> Turn back time. <laughs> no, I was wondering to see if I could find throw in my a... way. Throw in a third location. Oh yeah, it's definitely on the way. We're only—it's an, another hour forty-eight minutes from. Hell no. Osceola. No, no, no. Oh, you drive an hour. Okay. You drive okay, an I see hour what you're and a half <laughs> to Osceola, and then you drive the other hour and a half. Okay. To. Where I thought you were Mansfield. trying to tell me. Oh, it's just an we're hour. Going an hour and a half out of the way to get some no, cheese. No. no. It's on the way. I'll throw a brick of Velveeta back at you. <laughs> I think we could probably make. Might be able to make Lamberts happen too. Oh, oh man, that was fun. No man, so loved good it. Good to have you back. Oh, it does feel really good. I didn't even cry this time. Yeah. Do you want to talk to people about when we recorded the bonus episode? <laughs> it was the first time I left London. I got a little teary, just slightly. I didn't like. wasn't sobbing or anything. Brandy showed up to the house in tears and then tried to act like she wasn't in tears. <laughs> No, poor no. Brandy. It was fine. Do you want to do questions for? Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> yes, but first of all, how the hell do they get into this Discord you speak of? Uh, they join our Patreon at patreon.com/lgtcpodcast. Uh, you can join at the appellate, Supreme Court, or <laughs> Bob. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking <laughs> off into the distance. <laughs> Sometimes I do that because I'm very deep. Yes, you're just mm-hmm. reflecting on mm-hmm. all of life's quandaries. Yeah, that's right. I'm about to solve something until you interrupted me. <laughs> Were you going to solve the watcher? Yeah, I already did, though. I mean, <laughs> it's Peg. It's Peg. 
Herring. Oh, happy face Melissa wants to know, if you magically already had the training and know-how, what job in the criminal justice system would you want or think you would be good at? Mm. I would like to be a crime scene investigator or a medical examiner. Why? <laughs> you don't even have an explanation. I do, because you actually get to go to the, the scene uh-huh. if you're the crime scene investigator, and then, I don't know, I think I, I think I maybe missed my calling and was supposed to be a... Like a, what? Use your word. Well, undertaker is the word that's coming to me, but I don't think that's what they're called. Do you want to be a medical examiner? Do you want to like run a funeral? Fuel- no, no, no I don't want to run a funeral you- parlor. But I think that if I was in the criminal justice field, I would want to be a med- medical examiner. Okay. But uh, no, what's the word for a mortician? Mortician. <laughs> <laughs> be a lawyer but you didn't have to go all the way through law school would you want to do that i don't know that i would (laughs) (laughs) i really think i just wanted the money (laughs) um maybe i would want to be a detective yeah maybe i would want to be a lawyer would you wear a trench coat oh yeah nothing on under (laughs) obviously just a bunch of watches inside nothing underneath (laughs) although you know eh. I get so annoyed with others. I don't know. That I, know. I think maybe. Like, what job can I do for my house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I be a detective who doesn't detect anything? <laughs> no, I think I'm I'm well suited for what I currently do. <laughs> Doe Cat wants to know: Have you thought of selling T-shirts? No, I wish someone would say something about that we are on it guys we're working on it we promise we are working on merch as we speak as we speak question mark probably not as we speak. not right this but you know we're on it we've got stuff in the works guys it's in the works it's happening it's coming down the chute are you taking a shit it's coming down the chute yeah oh well i don't think of shit i think of like you know going down a slip and slide Yeah, like no one's ever said poop shoot before, Christine. <laughs> I surround myself with classier people than that. Schmarls Barkley wants to know, which game show do you think you'd win the most money on if you played as a team? Mm. What about individually? Okay, just individually, because I would only drag you down. What do you think you would... You wouldn't want to be like on Family Feud with me? No. No? I, w- I would not want to be on any game show, ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one you stand to make the most money on would be Jeopardy because there's no limit. Mm-hmm. The man can't hold you down. That's so. right. Would you want to be on Jeopardy? Oh, I'd love to be on Jeopardy. Have you ever tried? I took the test once. Really? Yeah, but you don't have, you don't find out your results. And even if you do good enough to qualify, like you don't necessarily ever get a call. I took the test once. Is that what you tell yourself? No. It's legitimately how it works, <laughs> Kristen. <laughs> I don't think I did that good, though. Hmm. Because I, I have strength and, strengths and weaknesses. And history is a big weakness for me. And I got a history-heavy quiz. Which surprises me because I would think you'd be interested in history. Meh. You love stories. Yeah. Well, history's just a bunch of stories. Yeah. It's his story, mm-hmm. if you will. <laughs> Stop it. What forbidden pregnancy treats are you looking forward most to having again? Steak. Dave and I are actually going out for steak on Saturday. I've not been to a restaurant in all of since all of yeah. this stuff. Yeah, me neither. I don't know how it's going to work, but... 
We might just pick it up to go, but yeah. I want a steak so bad. You're not allowed to eat steak? Well, not how I ate it. I ate it medium rare, and you can't eat oh. it like that when you're pregnant. Remember I ate that one steak when we went out for, when we recorded, and it was like shoe leather? We went to uh, Where'd we go? the place in Brookside. Oh, yeah. Uh, Red Door. That's known for the fried chicken, but you can't yeah. get fried chicken there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah, my mm. steak was shoe leather because I had to get it cooked medium well. Mm. It's terrible. Gay Scorpio wants to know, Brandy, as a hairstylist, is there a certain way you're supposed to shampoo and condition hair? Um... <laughs> So I laughed when I first saw this question. Then I was like, wait, am I doing it wrong, too? I mean, what do you... Uh, well, you shampoo first. <laughs> okay. There's a YouTuber that I was watching. Shampoo second. Conditions first. She conditioned, shampooed, then conditioned. Thoughts? Questions? Comments? Concerns? I'm concerned about that. <laughs> uh, no, that's not how I do it. I've never seen it done before. I might try it and see what what happens it's a big wild world out there brandy um i shampoo twice and then condition uh typically i think people use too much conditioner and they put it too close to their roots you want to do mid shafts to ends only otherwise you're just weighing your hair down Uh uh-oh uh-oh maybe that's been a problem for me lately what do you think volume is never your issue you have plenty of hair oh my god Leilin wants to know what would happen if you guys were handcuffed together for a solid week oh my god oh my god what would happen? What would happen? I don't... Uh, <laughs> we would annoy the crap we out of sure each other. <laughs> you'd want to watch the Game Show Network. Yeah, and you'd want to run. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what we'd do. We'd get a chair for you next to the treadmill. Yeah. And as a compromise, you'd put on the Game Show That's Network. That's exactly right. <laughs> and we'd both be annoyed. <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> Because I would drip sweat on you and you would flip. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think it'd be a pretty good time. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. All things considered. Yeah. We could handle it. Well, sure. I mean, we wouldn't off ourselves. I mean, come Jesus. on. Well, we wouldn't, like, <laughs> with all the time we've spent together, yeah, come on. Exactly. We'd be fine. Exactly. Dirty Slut Goblin says, if you could go back to your birth experience and catapult one hospital employee into the sun, who would it be and why is it Barb? (laughs) Barb and her spoons go up flying. Ooh, Anne Margaret says, favorite word that sounds dirty but isn't. Hmm. Ooh. Oh, it's not, I can't think of one of my own. This is David's. David loves to use this word. What is it? Kerfuffle. <laughs> I was just thinking really? that. Really? Yes. And he uses it like it's a dirty word. <laughs> I mean, I think that's so weird that I was thinking that word. I, yeah, I gotta say, kerfuffle. kerfuffle. <laughs> All right. It doesn't sound like a nice word. It doesn't. Man. That's funny. <gasps> Brooke McF says the world is going to shit if our country divides into separate districts all hunger games style would you volunteer as tribute for each other i would volunteer as tribute for you yeah i'm gonna pretend that i know what that means and say sure what does that mean so i never read hunger games oh man i loved hunger games so basically it's like each district you have basically a child do you have to fight for the death for you yeah okay yeah i'd do it no no, I wouldn't allow that. You, you're a mom now. Yeah, that's true. 
I guess that's important. I'm taking this question very seriously. <laughs> yeah, I guess you are. Yeah, I'm, I read that. I was like, okay, yeah, Brandy's a mom. I'm not. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go in there. I would for sure die because it's a competition. So, yeah. you know, guess who loses there? <laughs> the non-competitive person. And, you know, it's violence. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like, that's it. I'm done. Oh, geez. Okay. Now we're <laughs> oh, getting rude. Jeez, oh, Pete. Jeez, oh, Pete. People are getting real rude around here. <laughs> well, should we move on to Supreme Court inductions? Let's do it. Are you going to tell people how to get inducted? Wow. All right, sassy pants. You going to tell people how to get inducted? <laughs> you guys, here's how it happens. <laughs> You have to get on Patreon at the $7 level. Or the $10 level. That gets you in, too. <laughs> this week, we are reading your names and your favorite books. You want me to do names? Yes, please. Eric Yother. Lolita. Sarah Nett. The Princess Bride. Chelsea Adkins. The Cirque de Freak series. Ooh. Madeline. Invisible Monsters. Abby Jean Sedlak. The Secret History. Pam! <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale. Pam! Aubrey Parent. And The Mountains Echoed. Catherine, you're... No, <laughs> she goes by Kathleen, actually. Catherine is a beautiful common name. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Kathleen Yerbick. Jane Eyre. Jacqueline Siegel. The Beauty Myth. Sarah Solomon, Verity, Catherine Bruno, Invisible Monsters. Oh, two people? I know. That's what are the odds of that? You know, it happens pretty often. <laughs> In the same induction? Yeah, because Harry Potter. Okay, but that's like the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa Christensen, Harun and the Sea of Stories. Welcome, Welcome to the Supreme Court! Thank you guys for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Patreon. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and be sure to join us next week. When we'll be experts on two whole new topics podcast adjourned and now for a note about our process i read a bunch of stuff then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary and i copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes wikipedia so we owe a huge thank you to the real experts for this episode i got my info from wikipedia the new york times the la times and npr i got my info from an article for the cut by reeves whiteman TheThings.com and CNN. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCPodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. 